I believe Mooney is in the chat, in the, Sky, in the, the Twitch chat. Mooney! Read less books. Seriously. Hey, April. April, how do we sound? Mooney, seriously, read less books. You you have down that you're going to read 365 books a year on Goodreads. That's a book a day. Linda, we make fun of you because we care. Oh, I'm making fun of Mooney. I haven't even gone to Melinda yet. Well, I know, but she said, Melinda says in chat that if you're just going to make fun of me, I can go get that from my kids. Oh, Melinda. All right, so I got That's so true, but you can tell this is going to be a unique podcast because Donald Trump has literally called for his opponent to be assassinated, and I can't talk about it because we have more important stuff to talk about. So that is unprecedented. So I'm very excited about that. So we're going to get Scott in here. Uh, Scott lives in Canada. I may have to go live there. Sue is drunk camping. Her brother is literally pl- prying her with alcohol. Plying? Prying? Prying? Is it prying? I feel like I'm critiquing the, the I'm going to call it the fic, but the play. Prying? Pr- plying. Plying with alcohol. Someone in a minute when this gets there. Tell me if it's plying or prying. I think it's prying, but it doesn't sound right. Um, Sue's toasted is what is what I was going for there. Uh, Danielle is with child. She's not pregnant. She's with one we already had, so she'll be joining us soon. Uh, Jen is buying a car. Like, literally, n- new Canon came out, and Jen decided to go buy a car. So uh, we're going to possibly hear from Jen later this evening. And uh, whoever happens by and wants to talk about the cursed child. But um, I took notes on my little Kindle as I was reading this, like detailed notes. So I have uh, 95 notes and 160 highlights from this. So um, that was kind of weird to do, but I have those. So I hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about tonight. I miss Bob. I have to tell you, I like doing the back and forth and I got no Bob. So I got nothing. So I'm just, I'm going to keep talking here. And I wish I knew I had all this time. I could have talked about Trump. I have this weird feeling Melinda left. I have a weird feeling Melinda went to hang out with her kids because they make fun of her, but in person. Where did Bob go, by the way? Did he mention where he was going? Bob was here and then Bob was gone. I'm all by myself. I'm just babbling. It's very quiet. I just have this weird feeling he's here and I can't hear him. And it's like one of those Bob moments. You know, I get no Bob. So Melinda is still here. That's a miracle because I've been making fun of her for the last six, seven minutes. Um, I had a fun moment with Melinda. I saw Melinda a few weeks ago and I mentioned to her that she was on the podcast again. And she was aware of the fact that her stuff would be covered. But I think Melinda either thought she was signed up to do the podcast weekly or thought it was going to be a much more intensive commitment than she thought in this look of sheer terror that washed over Melinda's face was a little priceless. Oh, thank God there's someone else here. I can't monologue anymore. I hate that. Bob! I'm back. Oh, thank God. Sorry. Thank God. So, I'm going to give Sue a call here. I feel like I should call Jen, like at the Toyota dealership, and just like... Is she... Have you, like, talked to Jen any time? I have talked to Jen, and Jen's literally buying a car tonight. All right, so we're calling Sue... Sue is drunk and in the woods. Sue? Yes. Oh, thank God. Sue, Sue, are you Hammond? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? What's more important is, are you drunk? (gasps) I (laughs) know. It was was, uh, spiked root beer. That's what I'm going to be drinking tonight. 10.7. What what brand was it? Not your daddy's uh, root beer. Not your father's root beer. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do enjoy the Not Your Father's root beer. It's a little sweet for me. Uh, there's a local brewery that I feel is infinitely better, but you probably can't get that in Oregon. So uh, I don't know, Michael. 
went off and got it. He didn't like it, so he kept adding it to my cup. Oh, I thought, thank God, I almost just went, Sue, this is Bob. <laughs> He's not my, my cup for his care. All right, so we got drunk Sue. Now, Sue, I have a question. You you have, like, the oldest cell phone known to man. Um, are you paying by the minute for this? I am. Can I write you a check? <laughs> I could have you call on Michael's cell phone. I don't know how well it would work, but we could do that. I just need your phone up there. All right, you're going to have to say that slower. You got me drunk. Is he there to hear this? <laughs> I accidentally hung up on everybody by accident doing that, and then I couldn't remember your number. Is Bob getting the beer, or did Bob just get back from getting the beer? Bob! <laughs> This this is a spoil. Well, we'll talk about this in the show. But if you haven't read Cursed Child, you may want to rate want to rate screaming because mm-hmm. we're going to be spoiling the crud out of it. If you've Spoiler. read Cursed Child, you also may at times run away screaming. Oh just- my god, Ryan! It wasn't that bad. <laughs> and with Danielle, that, did you get it done? Yeah, yeah. And with that note, let's start this week's episode. Of Point of View Weekly. Live from the Potterfic Weekly Studios, which may or may not look anything like Fargo, North Dakota. It's the morning show that really isn't Point of View Weekly. Stress that it took us 22 minutes to get to the intro. Where's no. Bob? Bob! If you call me Bobo, I swear. Sue is incredibly loud. I'm sorry. I will try to be quiet. She sounds like a phone She's going like, to have to whisper. She does. She's like a 900 number. Thank you, Ryan. I smell real nice, actually, right now. How is it possible you married me and not Bob? He loves scripts. Well, I'm sorry, but I think Bob has some good ideas for keeping us on track. <sighs> Wake up and smell the freshly brewed coffee. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm stressed out. <laughs> Listen to the sound of Ryan screaming like a little girl. This is Point of View Weekly. When I came home and I had to get our lunches ready for tomorrow and our breakfast. We've got dead air. Oh, my way, I can't cook. I, can't, I was not. I was looking at cutting the cord and burning right, okay. dinner. What? No. You burnt dinner? I did. Wake up and smell the donuts, everybody. Welcome to Potter View. See, I did it uh, again, even though I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Why were you doing Bob's I'm so there? sorry, Be your own woman. Wake up and smell the... <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, and wait, that's the old introduction. Let's try that again. I'm sorry that was season 2A, Bob. Oatmeal was my favorite breakfast treat, but I couldn't say oatmeal, so I called it oatmeal. Wake up and smell the oatmeal. Oh, smell the oatmeal. Wake up and smell the bacon, everybody. Wake up and smell the bacon and eggs, Boobwainian. You are just a constant presence, dear. Aw, not in the poltergeist kind of way. No, not in the poltergeist kind of way. Five, we all watched Jen finally die. Y'all called me and it was kind of to you, but it was Jim, what are you I doing? I had a splinter in my fist and I was looking for my tweezers. <laughs> Dumping everything she owns on the floor. Wait, are we, oh, wait, you guys actually got quiet. I was expecting you to actually get quiet. <laughs> Bob, we're on a time limit. Bob's getting very grumpy. Don't be grumpy. I'm not grumpy at all. I'm drinking. Oh. I wish that I was. Ooh, this would be a fun party. Do you want to get vanilla ice cream? I do. Not like even it. a topping? God, this explains so much. Well, I got two points. How much did everyone else get? I got three. I got one. I got a rock. How do you confuse necrophilia and narcolepsy? They start with N? Yeah. Good letter thoughts, guys. Here it goes. Is an article of clothing something that you can wear on your body? Yes. Then I say condom. I say if Bob can say right here emphatically he's worn one outside the house just as he goes about his business. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Ray just says, nope, sorry, Bob. Hey, Ray, I thought you'd have my back. I doesn't even have the fruit. 
<laughs> it's fracking cold here. Right, I feel as though maybe you should be writing down the setup because every week we do this, you're like, now how do I do this again? Rachel can hear. April cannot. April's always been a little picky, has she not? Oh, Bob's oh, no. slowing down! Oh, he's, he's slowing down! Oh, no. We have everyone watching at the exact same time. It's a ginormous file! This is awesome. It's like Blu-ray quality! It's like one-tenth speed bothering his buns. This is exceptional. You know, I'm turning 30 this year, and I'm not getting any older. People had no interest in being my friend. Really? I mean, my can see person. out of his one good eye, he might make it. Are you confusing the owl with the prickly wizard? Oh, I thought you were talking about the McGorgasm thing that Bobby had one time. The McGorgasm? That's hilarious. It's harder to say than mayoral. That's wicked funny. It's <laughs> the only thing I haven't been able to figure out. Oh, we'll get work on that right after the McGangbang. O-M-E, Jack. Bob is a poop man. Oh, I gave the episode. I want to go last. Wake up and smell the butterbeer, the pumpkin juice, and the fire whiskey, Poovoinians. This is Point of View Weekly, the morning show, yet not really morning show, a part of the Potterfic Weekly family of podcasts. I'm here at the Table of Awesome with a couple of my closest of friends, starting with my one true biffle, Ryan. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Five people on the line. He's here with his two good friends, and you're all just <laughs> gathering. <laughs> Who of those five people he really likes? I am well, Bobo. I'm here with six people, two of them I like. But anywho, also joining us tonight is everyone's favorite Canadian, Scott. Scott, how are we doing? I'm doing pretty well, Bob. I've managed to get here on time, or enough on time for you guys not to have started yet, so hey. Okay, well, I'm glad, we're all glad to see you here. And then I just totally realized that I went out of order. I totally forgot. (laughs) How how could I yell? How could I forget the only woman on the face of the planet who could ever stand being married to Ryan? It's Danielle. Danielle, oh, it's, how are we doing tonight? I'm good. It's okay you skip me because I, I, I've been like MIA for the past how many podcasts because either Ella doesn't want to go to bed or she wakes up or I'm so damn tired after putting her to bed that I just pass out. But so far today, so far today going strong. And I'm getting a phone call right now from Pearl Vision, but I'm not going to answer it. Do you have glasses? I don't oh, know no, why you, they're calling me. Your glasses got scratched and they're working. Oh, but it's kind of late. It's kind of late to be calling to it say is. your glasses are in. To say there's a parole. But anyway. Emergency? Yes. Yeah. Oh, by the way, my phone, Skype, Skype, I'm sorry, Gmail informed me that I had a Skype voicemail before Skype did on my phone. Thank hmm. you. It's me going, Bob! Yeah, pretty much. Don't yell. And we also <gasps> have our producer, Sue, tonight. Sue, how are you doing this evening? I'm good, but in your litany of alcoholic beverages, when you did the intro, you didn't include my root beer. I'm very sad. Well, I I decided to include only the Harry Potter beverages that I could remember. When she oh. says root beer, is she having the alcoholic it's in quotation root beer? Marks. Is yes. that the, the actual alcoholic yes. root beer? Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll probably sneak away at some point to grab myself one. Sue is drunk I've in the woods that right good, now. Though. I have to stress that. I've well, heard it's very that. Good. Yeah, it's yeah awesome. I've heard it's it good. It's gluten free. Well, we'll have to well, try it eventually. Yes. So. Eventually, you could try it whenever, right? You yeah. could, you could make a. Not forgetting the background. Oh, I thought you were going to say speaking of alcoholic beverages. Speaking of, no, I would not say that. Love you, dear. Not forgetting people. We have a very special guest, and you know when you decide you're going to review a Harry Potter canon piece that reads like fan fiction, you need one of the best fanfic authors the Harry Potter fandom has to offer. So tonight we welcome Melinda Leo. Melinda, how's it going? Hi, 
Bob. I'm good. How are you? Doing fantastic, thank you. So great to have you here to talk the Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Awesome yeah. You can tell that we had like a delay getting this thing on the line because Melinda's actually our first caller and it took so long to get going. Melinda's now just joined the podcast. I think it's terrific. I absolutely love it. She is now she is now the super special guest. She's the super special guest. <laughs> Everyone's a super special guest. Everyone gets an award. So before Ryan starts, uh just to do four <laughs> quick things. Because I know once Ryan gets going, he's chomping at the bit, Bob. He like I he just can't it. <laughs> But just a couple of things. Um, just want to go ahead and say uh, welcome and thank you to all of the live listeners tonight uh, who are listening at Poofle Plays, which can be found at point. I'm sorry, not pointofviewweekly.com. That's our website. You should check that out too. <laughs> but, uh, our uh, our live streaming uh, channel on Twitch, which is twitch.tv backslash Plays. Um, we, for those of you who haven't had the opportunity to watch us live, we really want to encourage you to do so. It's a great opportunity to partake in the chat. We hope that people who are in the chat tonight will be partaking in our conversation about the cursed child because the more the merrier. And then also I decided that I would do something special for the live chat tonight, uh, mainly because unfortunately we don't have live stream uh, feeds for people's webcams, just mine. So I decided to bring another special guest. I'm going to have to modify my microphone here, or not my mic, my, uh, my camera here. I had brought hat with me. Uh, I stole him from Sue, mm-hmm. and I will be wearing hat for oh. the entirety of tonight's podcast. So what I was saying before was we chat during the week, and we're usually like, what do you want to talk about this week? Is there any big mm-hmm. topic? Usually it's Donald Trump lately, but you never know. And, and Scott sent a message earlier this week, so do we have anything to talk about this week? <laughs> and Bob and I just looked at each other like, uh, what? there's new canon. We should probably talk about that. New canon would be a great idea. Is it canon? Are we calling it canon? I think she said it's canon. I think she said it's canon. She said it's canon. I think, I mean, as much as I didn't want to when it started, I think it has to be. It's from her. And if we we count all of the the information she gave us after Deathly Hallows as canon, we have to count this as canon. What do you do if it contradicts the information she gave you after Deathly Hallows, though? She told us McGonagall wasn't going to be the headmaster. In this time period, and she changed her mind. <laughs> she changes her mind again, and it's no longer. Well, do, do we just want to go ahead and start? Because, yeah, let's start. Okay. So right. when did when did Hermione Granger become uh, the Minister for Magic? Um, some, I don't know. Somewhere some point in after the she was period. Apparently, <laughs> something. I don't know. When Kingsley, when Kingsley had had enough and, and grew tired of being minister. Yeah, Kingsley wasn't in this one at all. Along with, you know, Molly. Well, there's a lot of characters. Molly, the Weasley. Where was Teddy Lupin? Bathroom. Where were the twins? One was dead. How can you go back in time and not have a friend? Come on. Oh, yeah, back in time. Sorry, sir. We get serious at the end. He was supposed to be in that house with Hagrid. Hmm. He was outside. He didn't go into the house necessarily. Like, Hagrid ran into him after he'd already left the house. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I feel like so many of the, the shortcomings or complaints people have with it are we having, is because it's in play format. So yeah. having to keep in mind that it's a stage production and they're probably like, oh, yeah. we don't need all these yeah. other characters just because, people. like, they just can't have, stage. right, they can't have this many people or... I don't know. I feel like I, I tried to just really keep that in mind when I was reading it. I'm like, it's a play. It's not going to be, it's, it's just not going to have the detail. That, Go ahead, Melinda. You know. The best part of the fact that it was a play and people had multiple roles was mm-hmm. that Vernon, Snape, and Voldemort were playing <laughs> the same actor. Junior <laughs> and Dolores Umbridge were also yeah. the same actress, which I think yeah. was just right. perfect. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, can we just actually talk about that from the beginning? So it's a it's yeah, a play. Does anyone have any sort of like format? Yeah, be, like, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about just the format before we get into bits we liked and, and bits we didn't. So like the the format is it, it's a play that like was, it's the actual script. It's the script of the play, or it's the it's the early version of the script. Like the, well, image, what were they saying? The the full the rehearsal script. The rehearsal script. So it's it could change just script. Like if I'm assuming if lines didn't work previews, if they had certain reactions and went, oh, that didn't go over well, let's do this start instead or whatever. Yeah, like for example, when Harry they worked with. Yeah, for example, if the scene when Harry was you know screaming at Minerva McGonagall, who was a senior citizen, if that Mm -hmm. didn't go over well, perhaps they could. So if you were to go see the play, it could be a little different. Yeah, it could be a little different. Mm -hmm. Or they could forget their lines and you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's interesting to me is like I think variety came out and reviewed it and said that that the cursed child will do for theater what uh, uh, Harry Potter did for books. And I read this script and I think to myself, how in the heck did that happen? Like, how did they pull it off? Yeah. I mean, I understand that actors bring so much to a character and, you know, bring the story to life. And obviously being a play, they can't get into significant detail, but it's just like, I don't know. I mean, and, and maybe, maybe for those of us who've read Harry Potter fan fiction for the past 10 years have kind of, this reads too much like fan fiction to me. It's like, because I'm literally, I'm literally seeing, okay, this is That's like this story and this is like that story. Every fan fiction plot ever is in there. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost <laughs> not nearly as well. well but I think like, like yeah. well, um, tagging onto what you're saying, Bob, sorry. I was actually okay. thinking even more like the, the physical aspects of performing this in terms of like pulling off the magic bits. Like how are they actually performing this? How, how, how are they producing this they is what I'm that. curious. Yeah. Cause there's transfigure one actor. Into yeah. Actor. Yeah. Like how did they transfigure Harry into Voldemort? Like, how, like I want to see how they did that. Go ahead, yeah. From what I've heard, that part is amazing. The magic in the play is absolutely amazing. So I think if we if, I can understand why they're saying mm, that it does for the play, right? What the what Harry Potter did for the books because the stage performance is actually really, really well done. I think that makes a lot of sense. Like if they're actually pulling all of this off, and like I liked how the some of the descriptions were too. Like when Harry kept dreaming and he kept mm-hmm. hearing at the, at the end of every dream, he kept hearing Voldemort's voice. Like, can you imagine sitting in the theater and you're hearing that from coming from like all over you? Like you're hearing it yeah. from the behind you and, and and beside you. Like, I think that would be pretty cool. Like that would be, that'd be pretty neat. They did have one mishap though. They actually used a live owl, the first performance. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And it did not, it did not uh, follow its cues. And so after that, they only used it for the first performance. I was going to say, please tell me it pooped on. Yeah, they shot the owl. In the audience, that's what happened. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that'd be so funny. I got pooped on by Hedwig. Well, and it it flew up and it and it didn't come back down. It was supposed to come back down, and it just flew up and stayed up there for like an hour. Yeah, and they were trying to get it down, and it wouldn't come down. Well, here's the the thing I think is is pretty relevant about this. So we have. So we decide. Joe writes. I believe the way it works is Joe wrote the, the like the story outline. And the, and the playwrights wrote the, the script to, to the play, and now we're putting the play on in the West End of London. So compared to the, the number of people, millions of people are reading the rehearsal script, just the rehearsal script, no context, nothing else. And, uh, you know, comparatively, you know, maybe a few hundred people are actually seeing the play, seeing the magic, seeing the production values. I feel like 
I know it's like kind of a damned if we do, damned if we don't. I think on some level they wanted to capitalize on it. It was it was oh, yeah. a money grab. On the other hand, if you just have the, the the last story of Harry Potter and you only give it to a few hundred people who happen to be in London at the time, I think everyone else is going to get very frustrated and say, well, I'm just going on Wikipedia and reading about it. I'm not going to wait and see the play. So I think they kind of had to do something. And do something. But mm-hmm. it's weird because if you think of, like, think of me. Like, I didn't even watch Order of the Phoenix, the film, until we did our podcast on it. Like, so, like the books are, are revered as, as, as the canon. They are, like, the sacred texts. And the films, most of them we love. Then there's Gobble the fire. fire, but you know, um, but how ironic, yeah. But the thing is, like, we joke about, uh, I know, <laughs> yeah, Gambit in the trophy case, you know, that Dumbledore did the scene right. Gambin, when he performed the scene, because the way Newell told him to do it in the in the, in the script, did it terribly. But the, 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 the book, the text is like the sacred version of it all. This is kind of the reverse. We have like bland lines on a page that aren't meant to be what you see. You're meant to see someone interpret it. Yeah, and we don't get that. So I think it's it's like hard. And, and the last thing I'll say then I'll jump out is like when in, okay, Melinda, you get Deathly Hallows. You, you know, so you get the, the new Harry Potter book in the mail. You open it. In your mind's eye, you're picturing the school. You're picturing your version of Harry in your head. You're visualizing this as you're reading it. Now you get you know, Cursed Child. You're visualizing it in your head probably. I don't know about you. I'm picturing... Maggie Smith, The Great Hall. I'm picturing it in my head. I'm not picturing a stage. See, right. Yeah. What I'm, my mental images now yeah. are the actors for The Cursed Child. Because, okay. because they gave us all of the pictures of what they all look like. That's like my mind from like, right? Like every single time I like, because I've always had, okay, I don't want to bring up the, the, the controversy of it, but you know, like, you know, Hermione in the play is of African descent. And now like, for me, like Hermione's black. Like it, I don't know what it is. When like when you read books and fantasy. When I, when I read, when I read Hermione and the Cursed Child, I, I, I forget the name of her the actress, and I apologize if someone wants to look that up for me, maybe in the chat or something. But that's who I see. I don't see pretend fake old Emma. I see <laughs> you know, the horrible yeah, makeup. I, don't. I still see them. Not even completely as the the film characters, because I already had images in my head of what they were. So I think the film characters have more or less pretty much taken over, but there are subtle differences mm-hmm. that I still have in my head that when I read taller and the beaky nose and Hermione, I, I always think, see as a little heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see that. Well, my favorite parts were when I eventually had the mental image of Ron and Hermione as, you know, like the movie, but then like their daughter Rose has only been portrayed uh, by a, a, a black actress. So it's like black Rose, but then white Harry. <laughs> this is seriously. And who may I ask is the father? <laughs> yeah, this is Dean Thomas. This is the swarm of Dean Thomas all over again. We were prophetic and didn't even know it. You are not the father. You are not the father. Well, it's, it's Ron Weasley and his family of multiracial children. We never knew we had, but um, like, one scene I'll just say and then I'll back off again is like the, the scenes later on where there's um, it's, I think it's the second time change when um, Cedric apparently becomes a Death Eater and there's a whole plot where they go under the water to reverse um, the, the, the second task to put the timeline right again. You don't see that. It's not referenced at all in the script. 
No, it kind of happens off off stage. Yeah, so the, it's out of the lake and go. Oh, we yeah, did, yay! So I'm reading this. I'm like, well, that's lame. You didn't put in the best part because I'm not thinking in my head. Oh, because this is right. This is a play, so you can't see. They but, can't be underwater. Yeah, yeah. right. So, but it's hard because you give me a book that looks like all the other books and say, here's the. Yeah, answer. but you have to, and you have to keep in mind too, like right. as you're reading it, J.K. did not write this. Right. She she did not write this dialogue. Because I think she, if mm-hmm. she did, it probably would have been a little better. Like <laughs> we were talking. To, um, I think there are times the when the entire play are the first and last scene, which are basically straight from the book. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, because I'm definitely thought that some of the dialogue seemed just like I don't know, not natural, not really how people would speak. Really but um, like Scott, you're sometimes in pl- it was good, but sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. Now, Scott, you're in plays, like the dialogue. The, the the stage directions, the descriptions mm-hmm. that was in this, is that comparable to like what you would see if you were given a script that you're gonna be using There's for a play? A little bit of extra in it. Often um, they they haven't formatted it quite the same way. Like if I was getting a script for a play, you'd get a paragraph at the beginning of the scene that describes the room you're in and where all the chairs are and things like that, and then says, "Here's these three characters." And if anybody enters, it would describe them. But otherwise, there's no other description in the middle of the scene, just at the beginnings. Okay. Okay. So that's different. They've been interspersed the description a little bit more, but here's what's happening and now, and this is what this looks like. And so mm. There's very little um, scenery, I think, in this play. Like, I know several times it, it, it references Harry and Ginny's bedroom, but what it is on stage is just a bed. It, it, the rest of the stage is just dark. Okay. Melinda, I think that's all they need. <laughs> well, no, but there were definitely some parts where I was wondering, like, I really, I really kind of wonder what this looks like. Um, I would like to know what, the what did they do? Yeah. Or like, what did they do? What did they do for the church? What did they do for the forbidden forest? How did it look when they were watching the task with the dragons? Like, how did that all work? Because I was just curious, like, how much they showed and, and how much was just sort of, like, using sound, you know. Right. You just hear Ludo Bagman describing it and you don't see it. Go ahead, sir. Backdrops? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of it may have been, especially if this is a rehearsal script, they might not know what it's all going to look like. That's yet. true. They haven't built it all. They haven't painted everything, you know. So they don't necessarily know where everything is going. They just know the basic scenes that they want to happen. And they I, have things like, this is where this effect happens. There's steam mm-hmm. from the Hogwarts Express, or there's, you know, various other things like that. I think one of the more interesting descriptions of the scene was when they go to the, what well, I forget the name of it, but the, the retired... Home, where it's like this is chaos this is magic and it's like well what does this look like because it's like you're picturing just like a bunch of old wizards like sitting around in wheelchairs with stuff floating in the air well, i don't know at one point i'm trying my i'm trying to pull up on my kindle as we're talking here there was a description of an action scene and it said it was titanic <laughs> like it's like yeah i'm like i don't get a sense for what you're talking about and the other one i mentioned to melinda was it's um hermione's first um not press conference, but she's having the big meeting mm-hmm. about, by the way, has anyone seen Voldemort lately? Yeah. Please don't be alarmed. Yeah. And she's trying to call for calm, and she casts a spell taking silence from the audience. Pull silence. Pull silence from the audience. There, that's better. I'm like, shouldn't you be giving silence to the audience because you're trying to come? So it's like, I didn't... Right. It's like it's right. That happened a lot where it was the opposite word of the one that I would have expected. And I think that's just the way that maybe they talk 
or it's some sort of way that they do screenplays because I did hear that a lot. I was and, thinking that uh, too, Sue. About it. I was wondering if it was like UK versus US mm-hmm. slang. The, the phrase they used a couple times that confused me was ever up. Yes. Ever up got me. Yeah. When he jumps off the train, ever up. I, I think that's a, that sounds British. Exactly. Right. Yeah, that's have, what I think too. Yeah, I have yeah, a line yeah, right yeah. here. Yep. And Hermione, Ron, Ginny, and Draco emerge from the doors and fire up their spells at Delphi, who screams out in exasperation, this is Titanic, but she can't fight them all. <laughs> it's like, you know what it is? I'm sure it's fine for the script. I think part of the problem is that we're so used to Joe's wonderful descriptions. Yeah, but you're not going to get that. We're not going to get that. So we got a script that has lines that don't really sound much like the characters that we know for large sections of it. Descriptions that sound nothing like how Joe speaks, Mm -hmm. where I think the most important part of the story is how the actor interprets it. We don't get that at all. Yeah, but that's why you have to take it for what it is. Right. I I mean, I think you have to... I think you can... You know what it is? I think it's one of those things where it's like, if I came into a room and said, hey, something's about to happen, I just want to warn you, Mm -hmm. and I set you up, but still when that thing happens, you're still surprised. I I feel like... I had draw. It took me a bit because I'm like I, I knew it was a play. I knew I, I thought Joe wrote it to be honest with you, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's I, Jack Thorne's way of describing things. Right, the one who wrote the play. Yeah, J.K. and John and Jack came up with the story idea, and then he turned it into a play. I have to feel like Melinda and I went back and forth on this. I have to feel like he gave her the completed script, and she looked through it and went, "Oh." This is very nice. Like, into the one of his feelings and change all of it. This is interesting. Yeah, that was interesting how you... I mean, honestly, do you really think Joe would allow that? I mean, like... I don't know. It's her name. I mean, it's baby. It's it's certain well certain things she wanted to focus on she didn't want to do all the deeds she just had certain mm-hmm. parts she wanted to focus mm-hmm. on and so that's what mm-hmm. she did she had to tweet someone yeah that looks fine bob what were you just saying oh i was just gonna say it's like i really i, I first off i think it goes back to a lot of what scott was saying or maybe it was scott, i don't know who said it i'm sorry but it is <laughs> just, it is just a script and it and it's a, it's a rehearsal script too I mean, right. maybe if it was, like, the special finalized edition, we might want to got something more. But, I mean, all the other stuff is done through... Yeah. Which is supposed to come out. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Shakespeare, as opposed to the ones that we're all used to now. Because yeah. those are, you know, pulled from the fourth or fifth version that he did. And and those are the ones that are the official Shakespeare plays. And if you go back and look in, like, archives and find the other versions, it's like, oh, that's different. Okay. So, I mean... Or, like, if you read the, the unfinished tales by uh, Tolkien, mm-hmm. things that are similar, and you can see, oh, that's where he got that, and that was pulling into this, but that's not the Lord of the Rings, you know? So, if you, if you kind of take all that into account and you say, okay, I'm going to look past, you know dialogue that seems a bit off and I'm I'm going to just take it for what it is. If you look at the overall story of this whole idea of Harry Potter's son traveling back in time basically with a time turner to save Cedric Diggory and then the fallout from that. What do you guys think of that as an actual story? It's kind of exciting. The, the general yeah. plot and the the story arc itself is done well and everybody wants to go save Cedric. Mm-hmm. The reason this feels like fan fiction is because it's fan fiction. It's written by people who haven't read a bunch of fan fiction, which we have. So we're going back and we're like, okay, we're doing another Harry Potter story. We're mm-hmm. focusing on Albus and yep. he's feeling overshadowed and under underwhelmed at being Harry Potter's son all the time. And Scorpius is the 
everybody thinks he's evil because he's a Malfoy. And, well, we've got to bring Voldemort in somewhere because he's the bad guy, and we've got to bring that back. So, hey, why don't we do time travel? That's a cool thing that happened in Harry Potter. Let's do that. Everybody wants to save Cedric. Cedric was a great guy. Let's go save Cedric. Mm -hmm. But then how is that going to play out, and what are the problems with that? How it looked to me was, if anyone remembers um, 24... Um, they yeah. did, they did an early, I think it was like the third or fourth season of the show. Spoilers if you haven't seen it, but it's been like 20 years, so I'm going to tell you. There was a plot line where like, this is after 9-11. So the plot line is like, they kidnapped the Secretary of Defense so they could publicly execute him on the internet so everyone in the world would go on the internet so they would like overload the internet so it would like blow out the NSA to distract while they hijack the codes for a jet fighter so they can shoot down Air Force One so that they can go through the wreckage of the plane to steal the presidential football so they can get the nuclear launch code so that they can chew the nuclear missile. And it was like this ridiculous thing where this leads to 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 this. And someone in the comments said, you know, four guys with box cutters did more damage and it was, you know, more direct. Like, <laughs> it was, it was, but that was like the plot line of this thing. And I felt like the plot of this was like, we're going to embarrass Cedric Diggory so that he becomes a death eater so that he kills Neville so that Neville well, that's not what they the wanted to do. That's not what they wanted, though, right? It was like, the think, prophecy. Yeah. Like, Those are year, the parts think... that make less sense. Yeah. I don't think, right. even if Cedric had lost, and even if he lost that badly, he's like, Ugh, I'm so angry, I'm going to become a death eater now. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, see that, Cedric doing that. Yeah, I really don't either. Even if he was embarrassed that badly, mm -hmm. I think where you're, where you're, no offense, Ryan, where your analogy falls apart is I think that, um, spoiler alert, how do we all pronounce her name? Delphi? Delphi? I was saying Delphi in my head, but I I, I'm I, sure that wasn't right. Isn't it like know. the Oracle of Delphi or something? So, so we, were we, are we deciding? Were we, I was oh. saying Delphi because Delphini. I don't know. I like Delphi. Is it the Oracle of Delphi? Is that a thing? But her name's Delphini. Yeah. And Nagini, so I was pronouncing it like Nagini because the Delphini and Voldemort, I don't know. Okay. Okay, yeah. but anyway, I think her plan, like her actual quote-unquote evil plan, was concise and to the point and was actually a pretty good one. Because when she found out that there was an exist, that basically a time-turner existed, she her purpose was basically to get said time-turner, go back in time, and somehow bring back Voldemort. It's right. just that, yeah. you know, you have idiotic 14-year-old boys who get involved and totally screwed everything up for her. And so right. I think yeah. that's where, where the plot goes awry is because a 14-year-old boy doesn't want to kill Cedric Diggory, so let's just really embarrass him. Dumb question. When they um, beat Hermione Granger's weaponized library and they had... That the, I want to see. The three of them, come on. And they had, and they had the time-turner. Could the spawn of Voldemort and Bellatrix, which let's just pause on that for a moment. Not going to lie, really surprised he has the parts. I, I, like, I want to know where the sperm came from. But couldn't she have bonked the two boys in the head, taken the time turner and done the thing herself? Was there a reason the boys had to do it? Oh, because the prophecy about the father and the son. Yeah, okay. The overlooked sons or whatever. Yeah, okay. Doing a thing. Yeah. Um, I, I think that also... Son, yes. Yeah, the fact that it was Harry's son that was doing it, had things gone wrong, it would have come back and looked really bad for Harry. Well, so, not really, because nobody would have known that it happened. Uh, the timeline the time would have been wiped out. Yeah. I thought that was actually going to be the point. I thought the time, because if you look at how the story was going, Rose Weasley is the biggest bitch you've ever seen in your life. Harry is, scre mean girl? Harry is screaming at, uh, well, the thing with Rose is, 
she had Ron's sense of wanting to be loved because Ron always felt like kind of the over, like the outcast. So she had that from Ron and she had Hermione's sense of just organization. So Rose's idea was to rate everyone according to their numerical worth and decide who had the highest score so she could friend them. Can I just say that of all of the characters, I loved Ron the best. I thought he was was the one that won. He got it all. He was so happy. I did too. I know. He got everything I wanted for Harry. I I actually... I, I, I will quote Ryan in this. And in saying that Ron was one of my favorite characters in this play, which is why I knew there was something wrong with him. Aww. <laughs> I'm like, something Aww. can't be right because I love Well, no, I, but I love too, um, and Melinda will probably agree with me on this, I love that in the alternate timeline when he was with, was it Pat? Pat, Pat, Pat he's like, he's like a shadow of the man he was when he was with Hermione. Hermione makes him better. That didn't make sense. The only time he really came to life was when he was Yeah. That didn't make sense, though, because the plot line, I'm sorry to jump around, but the plot line there was that in the altered timeline, Ron and Hermione went as friends to the Yule Ball. So when did Ron befriend Padma and start their relationship? Shortly after. Shortly after, okay. He never got all jealous about Hermione, so his... They were only ever friends. Okay. Padma was there on her own because she didn't have Ron to go with, and then uh, when... Ron and Hermione danced for a while and got bored with it. Ron decided to go over and dance with Padma because she's pretty. And then, um, about to go out sort of years later. Him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's put that a little bit simply because Ron had feelings for Hermione well before the Yule Ball, even though everything came out at the Yule Ball, he already was crushing on her. So I struggled with that a little bit. Sometimes when you're reading, you just kind of have to, to let things go and just go along with it. Yeah. And what yeah. I did, what I found with this story, like, because there were parts that I didn't like, but parts that I really liked, and what I really liked was the emotional impact of the characters. They were what I wanted to know about. They were what I wanted to to feel, and there was a lot of that in here. So it's like the, the, the plot was kind of, I, I don't care about all the much of time. What I cared about was to see how these characters came out. And the three couples, Harry and Ginny, Ron and Hermione, and even... Draco and Astoria, even though she had passed away, they came out really strong. And so mm-hmm. That was what really drew me into the whole story. I liked to see. And I actually felt really, really sympathetic for Draco. Yeah. And honestly, I yeah. I kind of liked that. I mean, I I really liked for finally that his character turned around. Like there were times when he was still really snotty, and you were like, "Oh God, it's like the old Draco." But I mean. At, towards the end, when he was like, I'm being bossed around by Hermione Granger, and I kind of like it. Like, he, he, it was nice that they finally, they finally put their differences behind them. I really liked how he and Ginny bonded about being the two that were always felt a little left out of the trio. I liked that. Mm. Like, I, I liked seeing that. In that moment, that. like, yeah. the reason I was such a snot to you, or one of them, is because I was jealous of you having real friends instead of sidekicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, li- I like those little moments, but I was, al- I think, what I started to say before, I was almost wondering if, like, the way this would work is we would get a new timeline at the end. Because when you looked at the beginning, you have, you know, Rose is a snot, you have Albus and Harry, who have this awful relationship in the beginning. They don't and, really have a relationship. And they have one, and they're going back and forth, and Harry's screaming, you know, like, he blurts out, I wish you weren't my son, and, and, and like, all this terrible stuff. And then it goes on for years, like, he's already in his fourth year, and he hates Hogwarts. I'm like, 
you know, it's just like I feel like you have like that TV show that you watch that ends on a really good note, and then they do the reunion movie ten years later, and they're all divorced in rehab, and you're like, why did you come back to give me this? Why could it be a bad movie? Well, but no, like I wonder. Life isn't perfect. But I wonder if the way it would have it at the end was there would be the reset button, and then all of a sudden, you know, things worked out better for everybody because mm-hmm. of something they did with Cedric. Like, well, is what happened. Now that's the impression I had moving forward. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, yeah, yeah. That, that Harry and, and um, no, I can't remember Albus. Albus's relationship is getting stronger, and and they've you know it took a bit, but now they kind of have more of a mutual respect. And Albus was seeing his father in one way, which you know we don't know really if how he was seeing his father was what was really happening, or if it was just through you know a kid's glasses where okay, this is what's happening, and my dad's being really mean, and why wouldn't he help Cedric, mm-hmm. as opposed to, okay, if I go back and help Cedric, then I'm opening up this can of worms, and, you know, Voldemort could be back, and all of these different things. So I think at the yeah. end, Albus was more like, oh, okay, I see where my dad was coming from, and he really isn't the bad guy that I thought he was. Mm-hmm. And there was always also the huge juxtaposition of Harry at the beginning said no to Amos. I, I can't bring, we can't mess with time. But then at the end, when it was Harry's own family, he still stuck mm-hmm. with that. No, we can't mess with time. So I think Albus had a huge time. growth spurt mm-hmm. there as, as he realized, you know, that this messing with time is a big deal. Well, I think, because I, 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 no, go ahead, Bob, go ahead. I just want to say one quick thing about that scene, like what, like reading it on the page and reading it, like, like the emotion that's going on for Harry and Ginny and for Albus, like it wasn't like, it didn't hit me, but like hearing Melinda talk about it and thinking about how it'd be done on stage and with all the, with all the Mm -hmm. sound and the effects and whatnot. I imagine that that was a really, probably is a very, really powerful scene in the play. I've read a blog originally mm-hmm. from someone who who's seen the play I, I i read this you know a couple of days after the play first um came out in in rehearsals mm-hmm. and she had said that that scene was incredibly intense on stage i wasn't even sure when i got it in the book if, if it came across as as intense as that was mm-hmm. but i kept i couldn't for me as i'm reading it all i could kept thinking was harry really shouldn't have to you know why, why didn't one of the others just clobber him on the back of the head and take him away from there? Because it just seemed like I don't know. Why does he have to see this? Are you talking the about at the end when they, when uh, James and Lily are killed again? Oh, you talking about watching them die? Yeah, I agree. To, I agree with you, Melinda. I was like, why? Why does he need to see this? Yeah, I would have just like we don't even like it when Ella gets her shots and we have to watch. I thought like, that was a little yeah. When he's like, "Well, I'm here. I can't not watch." It's like you really no, can. you can. You you can no, walk away. You can just go. His emotion was that, all right, I'm here. I could stop this. I could go in and, and stop this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to let them die. So if I'm mm-hmm. going to let them die, I'm at least going to stand here. Well, I think Draco, Draco yeah. should have taken Harry to the farmer's market yeah. and got his mind off it. Well, and that was just it just made me think, too, that um, one of the things they really get right with Harry's character, for sure, is that he's still, and he probably always will be, like haunted by the number of people that either died or got hurt right. and he blames himself for it. And I think, I think Albus, I think Albus throwing that in his face saying like, well, you could help him. Why won't you? I think that probably really hurt Harry. So I feel like Harry lashing out sometimes 
at Albus is somewhat understandable. And I'm, because he's frustrated. I mean, I thought one of the lines that was really interesting with Harry is saying, like, I didn't have a dad. I didn't have a role model, really, for how to be a dad. And I know, I know he has, I know he has Mr. Weasley. I know he had serious briefly. Well, I mentioned, well, he had Remus. Not the, but then, that's like, not the same. It's not the same. Remus was a terrible father. <laughs> but it's not the same as having your own father bringing you up. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I really liked that when he was like, listen, I'm kind of flying blind here. I don't really know what I'm doing. He gets along easily with his son, James, because James is maybe just that type of kid where he's easier to to get along with and he connects with Lily. So, I mean, he's got that one kid that he's having trouble connecting with. And I don't think that that's, I mean, I don't think that that's unrealistic. I, I, I think that that's really interesting, actually. So my, I mean, my thing with it, just to, to back up and clarify, I gave it two out of five stars. Um, I liked it. In the beginning, and it, I, I gave the, the play two out of five. The more it went on, the more problems I had with it. Um, I'll stand by my comment. I think the plot got too... It, it, they went for convoluted Back to the Future in a, in a play format, and I think it all fell apart. There was problems with the timeline. Like, timelines were resetting, but they were still having the same conversation from the last time stream that should have been erased. Like, it didn't make a lot of sense. Like, I always think when you're going for, like, a play... You always like I love plots where it's like two guys trapped in an elevator and you just have to talk. Like I think that well, no, but those are more that's more interesting to me than you know having this you know this Back to the Future type plotline that doesn't really hold together. Like they didn't think everything through. Like um, if Albus had listened to his dad's stories more, they would have known the place he wanted to go in the first place is the third task. Don't bother with the first two. But then that was a (laughs) thing so that the play people could. show you those two tasks and see what well it became obvious the two things for me and i don't know about you guys um i'd probably be a little bit more generous and say 2.5 stars out of five i gave it three yeah Yeah, i'd give it three 3.5 um the two things the plot but the emotional this is seeing what happened to all these characters really did connect with me and i did enjoy that very much agreed and i I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. aspects of that as well um, but just really quickly, I want, I want to mention these two points. The thing that kind of took me out of it a little bit was that how it, it was two things. One, Delphi, Delphi, whatever you want to call her. Um, being that she was the only new character, pretty much, with the exception of, like, established, you know, kids of canon characters, yeah. it became kind of obvious that she was going to be the bad guy. And I don't know if you guys saw that coming a mile away, but I kind of figured she has no, she had no development. She had, she she had no development, but she, when she came back into the story, when they went to go see Amos, it was like, yeah, kind of had a bad feeling on the adventure. Okay. She's the bad guy. When it's a matter of when is she going to turn on? So that kind of annoyed me just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, whatever. But the other part was is when it became when the Triwizard Tournament came into play, and when it was the first task that they went back in time on, I was like, "Oh, great! So we're going to go back in time for the second task, and we're also going to go back in time for the third task." And guess what? We did. So yeah. I guess in aspects it was predictable, which kind of frustrated me, because like, I, I never felt like the series itself was that predictable, um, which was kind of. Well, I don't know. I mean, people could argue that with me. I don't know. I mean, I never, th- yeah, I never thought the series was that predictable, especially, and, and actually, especially the fourth book, because when yeah. I read it for the very first time, when, when it was revealed that, um, Mad Eye Moody was not Mad Eye Moody, I was like, whoa, like, th- yeah. I did not see that coming. Um, right. When, when Harry was in that, in that graveyard, I remember my heart pounded. Yeah. I was like, but I know it's seven. They can't kill him. It's right. Seven I know. How is he ever going to get out of 
<laughs> Did you actually think it was like um, when when Cedric showed up in the third task and he thinks that Al and Scorpius are part of the, oh, I actually the, like the that. monsters? His his I like that a lot. His um his like like his, his 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 um his language, the way he spoke, was very formal. I shall defeat you. Like he, he I think he threw a couple shells in there. Like, and, like, I think there was, you know what I mean? Like, he was very formal. And I'm like, you're a very dapper young man, it seems like. It's hard to believe you're about to become a raving yeah. lunatic who's murdering Neville that Longbottom. one of the, the dialogue with, Still, I mean, I have three teenage boys myself. And some of the dialogue, especially between when Alan Scorpius would, ch- it was just too wordy. It's like, no. no, teenage, there's a lot of grunting and insulting mm-hmm. and, and it was just way too many. This is this is why I gave it the score I gave it, um, and then I'll back up and let you guys get into moments that you liked. My my thought was, and here's the thing: I I really wonder if we had read less fan fiction, and of all of us, Danielle's probably read the least, but mm-hmm. she's read three or four, you know, novel fan that. fictions. Um, I just I feel like I've read all of Melinda's. Yeah, it, well, there's. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it's like you name it, and we're like, okay, there was so much of Psychic Serpent in here. Oh so, my god, there was. Yeah, there was so much Psychic Serpent, and Psychic Serpent was so much better than it was than these. And granted, we got descriptions, oh, yeah. and, and we got you know, we got yeah, the, you it was know, two two. Second Serpent was like a book. Well, that's the thing, too, and this is unfair, but the thing is, we've we've seen it all before, so we have something to compare it to. So I think that's... But here's the thing. Every, like, all the stuff that reminds me most of fan fiction in here is stuff I hate in fan fiction. <laughs> like, no, seriously, you... Okay, Melinda, I want you to read this fic. I found it. The first thing is you're it's gonna you're gonna have someone from canon get really pissy at Harry because Harry killed his kid by you know just being Harry Potter. Even though, like so like Amos in the beginning, I realized he was under Delphi's control, but like Amos you know storms in and does the whole Harry you know you're responsible for my son's death thing. I actually that little bit. Usually Amos is a much nicer guy. I wrote that. I'm like in fic, he's some- like that. Amos going at Harry. Yeah, well, he was kind of like a per- okay. So think about it, Ryan. Okay. I- yeah. I want to give the author a little bit of credit here. Yeah. Think about this. This is a man who obviously has nobody left, yeah. has spent the mm-hmm. past, you know, 19, well, no, actually, what would be like, what, 23, 24 yeah. years? Yeah. Like, living without his son that was taken from him. Mm-hmm. And, you know... His son who was everything to him. Everything mm-hmm. to him. How could you expect him not to be a bitter, angry old man? Was he that bitter in canon, like by Order of the Phoenix? I know in the beginning, never saw him. Like you think that's when he would be his most bitter. He's pretty bitter at the end when he when Harry tries to give them the Triwizard winnings and they they just walk out. But then we don't really see them again. So Potterstick Weekly has covered a couple of six where he is uh, terrible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you have so. All right, so we have... That we have wasn't yeah, very so, surprising to me. So we've got... So here's... Let's go through this quickly. So I have... We have Terrible Cedric. We have Delphi, who... I'm sorry, Terrible Amos. We have... Um, you know, I thought that the whole thing were... were the, the kids were desperate to go back and, and save Cedric when they've never met him. That just... It seemed like they were going off... You know, we're going to change... It had to do with Cedric, though. Yeah. It had to do with Harry. When it had to, yeah. it had to were... do with proving himself to yeah. his yeah. He was yeah. just using yeah. it as an opportunity yeah. to, one, right a wrong of his father's, mm-hmm. and two, prove to his father that he could be his son. It just... Well, it seemed... It just, yeah. For me, the reason I'm saying that is because it seemed like they had no... They had no... It seems like that was the first time they ever heard of Cedric. 
in that scene. They decided to take on his mission. But anyway, so then, like, the, like, yeah, and then uh, they knew who he was. They, I, I don't think they. Were. I they actually the, seem pretty familiar they, with the history I, of the Triwizard yeah, Tournament so because. Every now and then, like Scorpius. Scorpius, did. Scorpius was. Oh, he's the new. Yeah, Hermione. I think Scorpius reads a lot, so he knows. Well, he's like, the, oh yeah, then this happens. He's Captain Exposition. He's the new Hermione who just understands everything because she went to the library. So then you have when they was he what. What, was he? I don't know. I didn't get the Hermione vibe from. Well, he kind of knew everything. He was the character yeah, who he looked a little bit. Yeah, he was dorky. He was. Yeah. Well, you need the dorky character who can explain yeah. things yeah. to the others. So what then we think of it. Book he was basically someone who would be in our fandom instantly. <laughs> Part of us. Yes. Yeah. So you get to we get to hug without any friends, and so yeah. he read a, a lot. Yeah. Right. So there's sort of the Hermione parallel there. He's, right. he's not the same as Hermione. He does different things with it. He's not into it for like. I must study and know everything because I must get all A's or whatever. But um, he he enjoys reading, which Albus doesn't really. Yeah. You know. The thing so. about it, the one thing that really bothered me more than, than any of the rest of it was I still don't understand why did Harry's scar start hurting then? Right. Well, it didn't, I mean, it, it was all Horcrux related and Harry wasn't a Horcrux anymore. Yeah. So I get yeah. the fact that for the play, they're going to shift it to, it was yeah. just a connection between Harry and Voldemort that didn't have anything to do with the Horcrux. I'm like, all right, maybe, but Delphine just time. didn't spring up out of thin air. Her power had to be growing all along. So why didn't this scar hurt way yeah. before? I mean, unless, yeah, unless it was supposed to be somehow psychological and it was like manifesting itself as a physical well, pain. Kind of, it, yeah, you're right. It doesn't like, make sense. Here's the thing I thought of a few days after I read this. I, I know this is geared towards Harry Potter fans, but you have to imagine to a lot of people who maybe aren't hardcore fans are going to see this. They're going to have no idea what's going on. I wonder if they kind of yeah. dumbed it. There's scenes where I feel like they dumbed the plot down so that it wouldn't confuse audiences. Because if you think about it, Melinda and I went back and forth. When they changed the timeline after the first task and Al is then in uh, Gryffindor, Harry has this flip-out session, which I hated. I hated the part where he tur- he forgot like everything he knew as a kid about you know the meaning of friendship and, and the importance of friendship, and he told Al he was going to basically tag him so he couldn't go anywhere near Scorpius, and he threatened McGonagall with government audit unless she like walked around with the Marauder's map and kept them separated. Like, but you remember Hagrid's line about people get funny about yeah. their pets? They get way more funny about their kids. I know. I, I yeah. even cut up some slack on Well, I'll get back to why I didn't like that in a second. I'll get back to why I didn't like that in a second. But then when the timeline switches back, a lot of, like, Harry's comments about flipping out carried over into the corrected timeline. And I wonder if they put that in, they dumped it down a little bit because audiences would wonder why Harry never apologized. And audiences might, you know, oh, Harry's scar hurts. Oh, because he's Harry Potter and his scar hurts. And oh, um, you can you can transfigure into Voldemort because that's well, we'll do a spell. It's magic, and I wonder if they kind of just dumbed it down a little bit for the play. I didn't realize it was that po- that was possible, or the fact that the whole thing with the time turners. Yeah, my understanding was that yeah. the time turners. Well, all of a sudden we have a magic super time turner. They make well, this- yeah, that- because of course it belonged like- to the Malfoys. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course the Malfoys had to have the special gold time turner. And they that never used it. Farther. They never yeah. used it. It was in a drawer. Nah, that it was gold, though. Me too. Yeah, well, cool. of course it has to be. It's solid gold. Yeah. <laughs> they did lampshade the time turner bit because they're like, I thought these, when we were using these, they only went back an hour. Well, yes, but magic's moved on in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's like the old computers that were like the size of a car that were like five megabytes. But um, I, do you get the sense though that they kind of this is because we're picturing in my head I'm picturing a movie and it's a terrible movie. But I'm like if it was a play and they kind of dumbed it down, no abracadabra. I mean, I and think they, I, I think time travel. Even, I mean, even really well written time travel, it's it can be really confusing and hard to keep right. track of because it's like horribly written. Yeah, I mean, because when you have like, I don't know, there was a lot of crossover. Well, then it's like, what what should each character remember from? Because obviously, Albus remembers right. what should be, but nobody else does. Or well, him and Scorpius then, remember, but nobody else does. So then. Remembers why does he disappear altogether in the time that, that Harry's not alive? Obviously, Albus never could have existed. Who's under who, attack who's, from an airplane? Who's plane directly above him? <laughs> Sorry, I think it's Monday. That's funny. Me? Um, no, so someone's under. It's either you or Ryan. I can't tell. It's Ryan. not us. I don't hear a plane. Sue, are you driving? A plane just flew over his. Sue, are you here? I'm here. Oh, thank God. I thought we lost you like an hour ago and no one knows. <laughs> but like, my frustration no, with the whole, with the whole, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Sue. It's just, I, there's people like cutting wood all around me and stuff like that. It's really loud. I'm oh, sorry. maybe that was it. It wasn't an airplane. It was Sue wood cutting. Sue like a log cutting competition. You just like randomly hear teens <laughs> No, it's a hand axe, but. Oh, okay. Well, one of the things that I, and I think it's more because we've had so much fan fiction, there were parts of it that I was like, oh, look, there's a piece from uh, a very Potter musical. And, oh, hey, look, Hermione's a tribal warrior. Yes, yeah. somebody went on but wiki like and said, what are the tropes that all of these people have been doing? And well, then they children. added Let's them to the... It. Yeah, can we talk about that? If you, Okay, you, everyone yeah. does this. You look through, like Melinda, you do this. You're looking for fan fiction. You go through the summary, and you see it's a snary fic. So you click the little oh. X. Has anyone, anyone on this line ever said, ooh, it's a Voldemort love child fic. Let me get some of that. Like, <laughs> the final canon of Harry Potter. And more specifically, in pairings, it says Voldemort slash Bellatrix. <laughs> You don't need to. It's canon. Now. Well, that's like Harry Potter musical right there. Um, yeah. Actually, there, I, I was surfing the internet and I didn't read it because I hadn't. I was only like halfway through Act One. But there is a uh, so, some website had an article entitled uh, 10 things uh, that Harry uh, Potter musical out Pottered first child on <laughs> something like something to that effect and I was like I need to read this eventually <laughs> no I have um, I have literal questions now I they, mean they, I guess I always like pictured reborn no. Voldemort as like asexual no because I'm like he has no nose they cooked he just, him. I feel like he would look like um like a Ken doll they cooked him in a crock pot yeah and they used have any other uh, appendages either no, they did. They cooked right? him, like, I, they like, him I, in a crockpot. Where did the sperm come from? This Harry's blood, Wormtail's hand. That, so that I, like have a I had trouble with that. Once they gave him back his body, things regenerated, and, and oh. it just like actually no. You know, you know what I picture. You know I'm what I picture. Sure wonderfully written fan fiction all about. This. <laughs> yeah. It's not wonderfully. Written. I it's picture. Impressive. Go check that out. If you, if any of you, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Dogma. But I picture the scene where Alan Rickman, who plays an angel, rips his pants off and he's got no parts. It's just, it, it like literally, it's just like a Ken doll. 
Because he says, like, angels don't have the goods. I'm like, that. that's what I picture with Voldemort. And did we do like, the timeline? We do the timeline. So, so Bellatrix got knocked up by Voldemort. Phrases I never thought I'd say in my life. <laughs> during year seven, during Deathly mm-hmm. Hallows. So she should have been pregnant. Yeah, at what point should she have been pregnant? We saw her at the board meeting at the beginning of the year. She was impersonated by Hermione. She M- must have been pregnant at the board meeting, but not showing it. So she's in her first trimester. Yeah. So she's what on about like, when, she, when, she when she tortured her, Hermione? Ryan. What? Oh, Bellatrix was killed by the end of the movie. Um, by the end of the so book. she had already right. given birth. So she had given birth and just no one happened she, to mention, oh yeah, by the way, Voldy had a kid. And you're honestly telling me that none of the Death Eaters would have been I know. Like, See, that's hard to believe. And my joke was when Hermione, when Hermione's walking down Diagon Alley as Bellatrix, no one walking down said, whoa, she dropped a ton of weight from yesterday because she was nine months pregnant. I know. It doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. With baby weight, they can just magic it off. Magic it away. <laughs> <But> <laughs> she would have gone into hiding. Yeah, she she wasn't showing very much at the beginning. And then by the time Hermione uh, was impersonating her, she'd been under house arrest. And nobody had seen her except for maybe a couple of the very, very closest or highest mm-hmm. of Death Eaters. Her loyal husband. So it, when you have magic... I mean, I'm not excusing it because I think it's weird, but but I guess spell to make yeah, I guess it's a disillusionment yeah. charm or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, was yeah. there a line too that said her loyal husband Rodolphus? And I don't have the line no, in front her, of me. That's her brother. No, who's the no, husband? Rodolphus is the husband. The oh, husband. that's right. Oh, that's right. The husband. There's a line that says like when he got out of Azkaban, yeah, yeah, yeah. he told yeah. Delphi. Why did they let him out of Azkaban? When did that he, happen? He must have had like a. 20-year sentence or something. And so like, don't let him out. Good behavior, Ryan. <laughs> like, because he so got he, out... Yeah, at- he was definitely one of the bad guys, but but really, what did he do? What what did... what? Uh, it, it, how was he so high up in the rankings? We never know anything specific about what he did. Melinda, so. wasn't that your fic where he was wandering around everywhere and that was... He yeah. was the guy we were all looking for? And it's like, I'm like, in yeah, canon, they just let him out. because he. It's like Dukakis in the work release program. It's like, you can't be letting Lestrange out for, like, weekends. Like, like that, yeah. that, yeah, that's... Like that, a 20-year term or something yeah. in time. I agree up. with what Keza said on your other podcast. It would have been, it would have made more sense if she was just raised to be, like, a rabid Voldemort follower and yeah. wanted to bring him back anyway and wasn't yeah. related yeah. to him. more sense. But yeah. they brought... It's a, it's a thing but where they, they wanted want the scar hurting, so like, they, they the want the connection. Ooh, this is Voldemort's daughter. Ooh. You know. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I, shock factor. But didn't the scar hurt because it was the Horcrux reacting like magnetically to Voldemort yes, being nearby? That's why in the actual books is why it hurts. It was also why he could speak parcel tongue, but he could also magically do that in the play without but the Horcrux. He could do as well. it again here. With, yeah, yeah. That and they, was the one there's so many really plot holes in this play. Yeah, that's can we talk about the the heart of this story, which we haven't talked about yet? The, the, no, forget them. The trolley, the trolley cart lady. The trolley what the fuck witch. What's up with that? The trolley witch. That was ridiculous. The trolley witch is apparently Wolverine. Okay, guys. Yeah, that's exactly what I, my notes. I have trolley witch Wolverine. Yep. You know what I was picturing? Did, did everyone here, or those of you who are Doctor Who fans, do you remember in like the I think it's the first Christmas special with David Tennant? 
it's the one with Harry Jones as the Prime Minister and, like, the crazy spaceship is above. And Jackie, Rose's mother, is in her apartment and the Christmas tree starts, like, spinning or something. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm gonna yeah. get killed by a Christmas tree! And the tree's, like, coming close to her and it's chopping up the bar. That's what I'm picturing, is the crazy trolley lady on, like, the roof of the thing. <laughs> like, except, like... Oh, but she said the only other students that ever got up here were Fred and George Wayne. Of course. She's like, I have never lost a student! And I'm like, except Luna, when she was taken in Deadly Hallows. But yeah. let's not Dwell on that. Well, that doesn't count because that's a <laughs> that was an attack. She wasn't leaving herself. But it was interesting. I, got, I was having a. I'm sorry, Scott. Go ahead. I was just saying with with Luna, she was taken in an attack on the train. It wasn't Luna deciding to. That's jump true. Off. That's true. Right. Well, what I found interesting about that, and it was actually pointed out to uh, me by my mother, who I may or may not be watching. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she's going on and on about how all these people have never looked off or train, and you're not going to be any different. And then, like, two seconds later, uh, James, uh, not James, I'm sorry, uh, Albus is like, okay, bye, and jumps off. Yeah. yeah. Like, he just jumps off the train. Hi, Bob's like, mom. I'm gone, bye. Well, like, that's so how, I, like, sometimes I take myself out of the story, and I'm just thinking, not magically, I was like, oh, what is she, a hologram? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, Star Trek. Yeah. Like, oh, like, she's just a hologram, and she, oh, like, no. beamed up to the roof of the train. My boss. <laughs> My boss is not a Harry Potter fan. He's not a Harry Potter fan. He's the one who um, I always say tried. He joked with me that he was spoiling me about Deathly Hallows the day before it came out, and I tried Mm -hmm. tried to scald him with coffee. He goes to Universal all the time, but he doesn't like. He goes to to, um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, but he doesn't get it. But he torments me that he's going and I'm not. So he takes pictures. He takes pictures with the conductor of the Hogwarts Express. This is before they did the Diagon Alley expansion, and he has this picture on his desk. So when I went down, it was the same. I know there's like 50 guys who play him, but it was the same conductor. So then I took a picture tormenting my boss going back and forth. And every time he points to the picture, every time I go in his office, I'm like, I don't even think that the Hogwarts Express has a conductor. He's not a character in the story. So then when this scene happened, I'm like, oh my god, she's probably the only, there is no conductor. She's the only adult on this planet. The only one. (laughs) It's canon. The only adult, except for the driver. No, magic. Maybe she just does Remus talked to him. Oh, the driver, that's right. That's right, he went to have a look. Could you imagine if the line was, I've spoken to the trolley car lady in the train? Why are you talking about the trolley car lady? (laughs) Well, because when she kept, when you kept hearing the line, anything from the trolley dears, I was like, oh god, she's on like a feedback loop. She's broken. (laughs) 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 It's like, answer her, she'll just keep asking. (laughs) Yeah, that, that was the first thing, like, her character was when I realized this was really bad. I was like, oh, this is almost like bad fic. Yeah. Like, I would never, like, I was, as the beginning, of the, I was tempted to tell Ryan, I was like, Ryan. Yo, Bob, that was the part I told you, remember? I said that you're going to yeah. come across something that you're going to say, huh, I have never read that before. That yeah, was no a- one's ever done that. Congratulations, <laughs> they found something that you've never done. <laughs> because it's batshit crazy. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but basically, like, I remember reading it because I remember, like, reading, like, Anything off the trolleys, dears? I'm like, how much nostalgia are you going to attempt to cram into this play for us to kind of like fall in love with it? And that's right. a lot. There's, it, 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 in the beginning, it's bad and it gets better uh, as we go on. But it was just like that whole thing, the, the trolley, the trolley cart, which is like hands down the worst part about that entire play for me. 
I just was, I was thrilled they finally. I actually thought it was funny. I actually liked I mean, it because. I, I, I think Delphi's like, worse. No, Delphi was terrible. But no, no, there was so much that was awful about the play. But the thing was, is that I felt like it tried to be so many fan fictions. And not try, but it was so many fan fictions. But worse than, it was the worst version of all of these wonderful fan fictions we've read over the years. That I gave them credit for at least doing one original thing in the entire play. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's like I love, like I hated um, the new Star Trek movie that tried to redo the Wrath of Khan. I just like the, the the original was better, and I feel like that's kind of it here. I feel like it tried to be so much, but it just kind of bombed the lot. That there were little nuggets, like great, like where Jimmy comments on never being part of the trio. I love that. I like some of the interactions with Draco. I thought exploding snap game. Oh my god, I have such a new passion for exploding snap. Yeah. There was that little scene, but a lot of it was just, it was just weird, weird, very strange stuff. And I feel like, like I should be loving this more than I am. And I really wanted to like it, but it was like, it, it's like bad fan fiction. I've, I've Actually, read that. Sorry. The opposite. The first, the beginning of it, I was like, what the heck is this? And I, and I really like part one, I was not so much, but by part two, maybe it was just because I got into it, but I warmed up a lot to it, and it was the, the, the bits about the characters. Like I said, I didn't, I'm not a big time travel fan, I'm, I'm not a next gen fan at all, but it was the bits of the characters' lives that I really wanted to know about that the three couples, especially the warmth and the, the strength of their relationships, really shine through, and it made me so happy. Right. So it definitely mm-hmm. went up by part two. I kind of have a question directly, kind of more for Melinda, but if the entire panel can a- uh, answer. One of the questions that I asked Ryan before I actually started reading um, the play is that, what do you guys, or I guess so the question is, is what do you guys feel this does, or this particular story does for the Harry Potter fan fiction community? Do you think that it ultimately helps it, or do you think that it potentially hurts it? I think we're going to see a whole new surge in fan fiction. Yeah. Or are they going to be trying to yeah, pick bits, or are they going to pick bits that they like and do like the trolley lady fanfic? Or oh god, no, I don't want I've that. Seen a <laughs> on exploding snap, I think people are going to take what they like of it, but I think I mean fan fiction was starting to dwindle a bit, you know, now that we're so many years oh, yeah. out. I think this is definitely a new surge. Well, I think it was kind of like a 10th year reunion. I think the fact that everyone got thinking about Harry Potter again might cause a resurgence, but I don't think this work necessarily will do that, because this is kind of the thing. Like, Melinda just mentioned the exploding snap moment, which was, um, what was that, when Ginny, was that when G- Chamber of Secrets, Harry played exploding snap with her to kind of help her heal from yeah, it, so it was a little missing moment that we never but you know saw her canon, but she's telling us now it happened. Mm-hmm. This is the thing for me. She's telling, sorry, yeah. that it happened. There's got to be other things like that that we didn't actually get to see, but that happened. So I think that right. But that's the thing, though. No, that's the definition of fan fiction. We've read those moments from you. We've read those moments from Keza and Lady Chi and all the other authors. Not to say they were canon, but we've read little moments like that that we could plausibly see as having had happened. And we have an emotional reaction from reading those. They need that, you know, we we swell up reading it that now that, you know, Joe's play right here is written one, two, that's wonderful. It's canon, but it doesn't excite me as much because I've read stuff like that for years. If that, I I disagree. I, 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 I've saw, we've written three chapters since this came Mm. out. So it definitely spurred me on. Yeah. 
Yay! So. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was a really neat uh, because it did read like fan fiction to me, and because I felt like in some cases somebody literally went to the tropes page and said, "Okay, this is this is what they you know Hermione's the tribal warrior and and the time turner and all this yeah. stuff." I felt like it was Joe giving the the fan fiction writers a real nod. Well, I like, okay, you guys have been doing this for years, and this is me giving back to you guys and me just acknowledging all these different things that you have done over the years. But, but like, she looks at us and says, in honor of the fan fiction authors, I give you the Voldemort love child. I know Bob <laughs> has part two of the question. I want to go back to Bob, but I just, I just had this right in front of me on my screen here. Uh, the scene when when um, Al is in the hospital wing, because inexplicably he breaks his arm over 20 years. No one knows why. Um, Harry is talking to the Dumbledore portrait, which annoyed me because he referred to the portrait as Dumbledore. He would call him Professor you know, headmaster. He, he wouldn't just say Dumbledore. But Dumbledore has a line where Dumbledore says, ah, really? What does my opinion matter anymore? I am paint in memory, Harry. Paint in memory. And I never had a son. It's like, Voldemort, oh, I'm sorry, Voldemort. Dumbledore, I feel like if he showed up to give advice, he wouldn't be like, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't listen to me. <laughs> like, that doesn't seem like something Dumbledore would say. It's just like, so, like I think part of the problem is that the dialogue did not sound like it didn't sound like the characters. It, it didn't no. sound right, but it's a portrait. No, but even it, it, like it didn't sound like Harry talking to the board. There were times when it was like it sounded like you know me talking just with Harry within in the colon next. It, like it doesn't sound like what we would expect Harry Potter to sound like, and that was part of the problem. The voice was wrong through most of it. It was written fine. It was just it, it, the voice was wrong, and that was problematic. But what was the second part of your question, Bob? Oh, I was just going to ask, um, I guess this would be definitely more specifically uh, to Melinda. Does, what do you think sounds more exciting to you potentially with as additions to canon? Or, with now that we have, well, it's probably easier to say with the Cursed Child, we know what we're getting. But then we have, in a couple months, we're going to have Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, I guess for, my question to you as a, as a fan fiction author, what excites you more? The extension of Harry Potter's story or the expansion of the wizarding world? Harry. It's always going to be Harry for me. And I don't care about... Uh, sorry, I didn't even really like Rose and Albus all that much. I did like Scorpius, but it's Harry himself. I want more Harry. But I will mm-hmm. say, even though the Fantastic Beats, I really wasn't all that into that much until I saw the preview. The, I did, like, when I saw the preview, I was like, oh yeah, I do want to see this. So that may change once I see the movie. But, but for me, mostly, it, it's always about Harry. Okay. And I, I go, I like like the Marauder stuff, and I like the Next Gen stuff. I've read a lot of Next Gen, so I I really like the characters. Um, I really like Scorpius in this. Mm. I like Scorpius. Me too. So this is Scorpius's play. Mm-hmm. There were parts where Scorpius, like, I, like I made the comment, like he used like the expression at one point, "No way, no way, Jose." And now I'm like, no that just seemed a little funny. Coming from Scorpius. But, but it was written by British people, so it has to be. And can I ask you a question? They have to use it. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Were there points of this where, Scor- where Scorpius seemed incredibly effeminate? Yeah. I'd agree with Sometimes. that. I read a fic once where Draco was gone for sections of the fic. I forget what year it was. I forget the, everything about it. But there's a scene where Draco yeah. comes back in, 
And like, I remember someone said, you know, just go easy on him. He got a bump in the head or he got something happened to Draco. He walks back in. He's like, hello. And he's the gayest person you've ever met in your life. And that was the thing. Like when Scorpius was just reminding me of him. And I don't know really? why, but it just, it was like, I don't know that I got, if I got dorky, I got yeah. dorky out of him, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I didn't really get a feminist. I enjoyed that they hug. Like, they have to figure out whether they hug now or not. Yeah. Do we hug now? Do we? Well, honestly, I I thought it was going to be a, a, a an Albus um, Scorpius slash like I literally did. Well, I thought it was going to go that way. I could kind of see it, but yeah, and it, and it didn't go that way in the end. But, but I, Scorpius liked Rose immediately. Oh, I thought that was a cover. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I like I didn't get that either. I, he was definitely. I don't get why he would like Rose. She's a horrible human like, being. Like, she kind of is. Her. You could do better. But it was. Yeah, I, I got a little bit of a bone in Scorpio. Yeah, and I'm just, and I'm, I know we're getting near the end, so I'm just looking at various lines I have here. There's a line that Professor McGonagall has Dumbledore is dead, Harry, and I've told you before, portraits don't represent even half of their subjects. Before we're done, guys. Okay, so here's just a line. This is a line I have, and this is just an example of why I didn't like the way it was written. Dumbledore is dead, Harry, and I've told you before, portraits don't represent even half of their subjects. So my question was, does that mean they're only half like the people? Or half the people just get crap portraits. Like it just—it was. I think they're just like half the people. Yeah, I yeah. don't think you get the whole personality. You just get bits and pieces mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, that made sense to me. Yeah, but portraits don't represent even half of their subjects. I like it's poorly written. It's poorly written. That's the thing. It's like I had to stop and like, what, what does she mean? Does she mean half the people don't get portraits, or does she mean everyone That's what gets I'm a saying. portrait? So the, some of the dialogue like, just wasn't good. It's like. Run Which, that, considering you're telling a story through dialogue. Yeah, I'm know? like, did you have a beta? Like, it's just yeah. like, work that scene a little bit more. But again, keeping in mind, too, like what Scott said, a lot of these lines, maybe they changed. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. if they're performing they them and they're like, you know what, they're not really working as written, we'll change them. Yeah. yeah. Here's my last line, then I'm going to turn it over to Melinda to do the Dursleys, because she's about to <laughs> crucio to me Dursley, that poor, poor, poor woman. Uh, this map will, re- re- will reveal to you where my son is at all times. I expect you to use it. And if yeah. I hear you don't, then I will come... Now, this is to a senior citizen, 81-year-old woman he's saying this to. This is like your nana. And if I hear you don't, then I will come down on this school as hard as I can using the full force of the ministry. Is that understood? <laughs> this is Harry yelling at McGonagall for no, like... He's become, like, like Lucius Malfoy. He is. <laughs> Lucius never did that. It's like, Harry, calm yourself down, dude. It's like... Well, I mean, okay, you, so just a couple things, just in context. His child's missing. No, he's in the, he's in the hospital wing. Yeah. Oh, you're right, he is missing. Okay, I tried, Harry. I'm sorry. I'm tagging my child. Misinterpreting a weird prophecy. It reminds me, actually, of that fic where Molly uh, heard a prophecy about how, or like, Trelawney comes up to Molly and Diagon Alley and is like, oh, twins, you know, one of them's going to die, right? And starts treating George Molly. Yeah. Uh, That's that moment. (laughs) And then, yeah, and then Molly shows the favoritism. That was the one where everybody in our group that podcasted on that hated Molly. That was a Albus. That was the one where um, Fred's son comes back and and George adopts him. Fred had a son? I can't remember what that's called right now, that's the one. The long series. But I guess that was the thing. It was after Harry had that horrible moment with Al early on, and then like four, like all this time goes by. It's just like Harry, you're just you're 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 not. I'm not feeling it with you in this story. This is not. It's not your day. All right, but Melinda, the Dursleys, you want to? 
Yeah, I wanted to go because I, the the thing that kept coming back to me is is Harry's nearly forty years old now, and all his nightmares. I know are still related oh, to Dursley's stuff. I know are, are being in a quad, in a in a small cramped space, and that's so heartbreaking. I was so so happy that she finally addressed that he wasn't okay. After yeah, mm-hmm. right. Back that he took Dumbledore to task. I wish that scene had gone on so much longer that, that he gave him a hard time about it. And the whole thing with Petunia, I am ready to crucify Petunia. I thought she was so mean in the whole thing. I was ready to wring her neck. <laughs> I agree. Like the scene in the graveyard. The graveyard, which yeah. wasn't even real. Though. I know. Like, Wait a minute. They never, but the whole, the wedding, the bed thing and the whole I know. Oh my God. Awful. I know. It was so awful. So some of those things may not have actually happened because dreams do, you know, create stuff from other stuff. But there's obviously still things there in Harry's mind that are prompting all of those. Those were good scenes. I enjoyed most of them, even though they sometimes didn't quite make sense. Um, my favorite scenes of the whole thing, I think, are the first three and the last four. So at least they started and finished strong. Those are the ones that feel like Harry Potter to me. Like Act the first four, one. scene six, that was my favorite. Hmm, okay, interesting. I'm not <laughs> sure which one that, that is, but I'll have to go find it. Yeah, yeah re- re- I'll read that one every single day and still be happy. You know what I'm actually thinking what? in my head right now? I'm thinking, this is a complaint I had to Melinda, now I understand why they did it. Because I'm picturing this as a movie or I'm picturing this as a fan fiction, they get Moaning Myrtle, right? And they say, we need you to show us where the, th- where the second task was. So... If this were a fan fiction or if this were a movie, they would then walk down the hall, walk down the stairs, walk out, walk over to the lake, jump in the lake, Myrtle would come up, and they would swim to it. But because it makes more sense for the play, they go down the pipes. Now, mm-hmm. how big are the pipes? Yeah, the pipes. Yeah, that, that kind that of... fourth a- year's... Ju- it's not, is it like a giant slide? Myrtle's a ghost. She can just... Hello? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chamber of Secrets, they do they the same thing. They were big enough for the snake. Yeah, yes. but they weren't going to the Chamber of Secrets. They were going to the But, to the but the pipes at Hogwarts are but clearly the, huge. Think, yeah, the, the, yeah, they're big. They're big pipes. You could make it through the walls and everything. Yeah. So you could just you could just assume Hogwarts pipes are huge. <laughs> they have terrible pipes. Was there actually a line in here that they have awful oh, pipes? Oh my my actually my main problem with that. Yeah. So they said, oh well, the system here is antiquated, so it empties right out into the lake. I'm like, oh great. So whatever you're washing off your hands down the drain is emptying into the lake. It's like all polluted. It's like the Rio. It's like the hands. What about the toilet? It's like the Rio. It's like the Rio Olympics that when they're doing. People, they swimming they in people swim in there. Yeah. And the mer people. The mer people are. Oh, there's room in here for like a change. Right. They're so, swimming in the sewers. That was my action. Like they're the shitting on the mer people. Yeah, yeah, literally. No yep. wonder they were so pissed. Remember how pissed they were in the movie? They yeah. came up with the pitchforks. I'm explained so much. Oh my god, this play actually has opened up the entire. It's cracked this world. That was actually one of my thoughts. Where I'm like, wait a minute. I want to see a fanfic about mer people who are sick and tired of dealing. Wizard shit. <laughs> During the Battle of Hogwarts, they come down on the side of Voldemort and yeah. the whole thing. We want new piping. And they're, and they're like taking people's crap and throwing it at them. Like oh, monkeys. Yeah. Like monkeys. Yeah. 
I just went and read, um, found Act 4, Scene 6, and I agree, Melinda, that's a good one. It's where um, <laughs> Albus and Scorpius are leaving the message, and Harry is reading the message. Oh, that's a good one. Blanket. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Now, can I just point out one thing here? Twice. Now, Bob, this is a question for Bob. Now, Bob, now, yes. during Psychic Serpent, who was... It's been a while. Now, who was your favorite character who had two names? A fir- uh, he had a surname and a first name. Polly Chapman. Polly Chapman. If you have not read Psychic Serpent, every reference to Draco is Draco Mal- Malfoy. Here, Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy's here. Hey, Draco Malfoy, would you like some coffee? Draco Malfoy. Look, it's Draco Malfoy. Polly Chapman is never just Polly. She's Polly Chapman. I think every because time. I think it's because like she's clearly popular. And you know, sometimes if you have like that one student that's really popular, you might refer to them by their full name. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes that happens. I'm calling you Danielle Fisher. No, just saying. I I feel like that's. Do you have a best friend in elementary school? Because I do. My best friend in elementary school has two names: Gina Palmieri. Gina Palmieri was my, and she's always going to be Gina Palmieri forever. And I think it's an elementary school thing. You know, can I just yeah, say, it didn't strike me as weird. My thought was Polly's probably pretty popular. Here's the thing about Polly Chapman. She's popular. She's like popular. Like, they never... Okay, okay. No, but all right. Victor Crumb. Never once referred to by Ron or anybody as Victor. Victor Crumb. Yeah, yeah. Victor Crumb. Or just Crumb. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing, too. Polly Chapman, as soon as... Um, so, let me get this straight. So, Cedric gets embarrassed, and now Polly Chapman is killing muggles at the school. <laughs> Oh man, that was dark. Why were there muggles? Well, yeah, where are the muggles? That was from? dark. Another thing that bothered me. Were they important? The all the muggleborns got kicked out. That's why they were all on the run. They brought them into torture. Why, this was worse. Them? They brought them in to torture them. They like import the muggleborns and the muggles, and then yeah. Polly Chapman's killing them. And then um, there was a scene when at, when um, they got back to the regular timeline, and Scorpius was talking about being popular. He's like, well, you know, I was dating Polly Chapman. I'm like, she was like a Nazi. That's not something to be grateful. I, was, I, I, I love all the right. girls who torture so well. But in that timeline, he was a jerk. Well, so was Scorpion. That's kind of like a little freaky. You know, I just watched Man in the High Castle on um, Amazon, and the plot line is it's 20 years after World War II and we lost. So all the Americans kind of turned on the Jews and they because they wanted to survive. So a generation later, we're kind of like the Nazis. And it's kind of freaky when you see what's going on in the world today. Like people mm-hmm. get fired up, you know, politically, and you know, within like a couple of years now, everything you know that's that was once you know taboo is now normal. It's interesting. Like, would all these characters become evil if if Cedric was embarrassed enough to kill Neville and throw the whole thing? I don't know. But I thought that was it wasn't really explored. It was kind of like a throwaway. Oh, I'm evil here. Yeah. I think my, some of my favorite scenes, or maybe scene, was um, actually when we get to see Snape. Which didn't make sense. Why? Because if Cedric killing Neville threw the timeline off, that happened after Snape died. Oh, yeah. So why was Snape yeah, alive? Yeah, that, it didn't make any sense why Because Snape we needed a Snape. There. But we needed to Snape be there, and for him to tell Albus, I'm glad you have my name. That's I nice mean, scene. I did. Scorpius. The, the, my friend that saw the play, the one thing she did say that was kind of disappointing, she was really, really disappointed in Snape. She said the actor made it the point of not of trying not to be Alan Rickman. Uh huh. So wasn't the Snape from the books either? So yeah. Kind of lackluster. It was Snape didn't come off as big as he as he should have. In oh, that's a shame. Oh, that's him. too bad. Um, Sue, what's the fic that um, you read? It was the Harmony fic where um, Harry has to jump between universes to try and find Hermione. You know the one I mean, right? 
I, I know exactly which one you mean, but I can't remember what it's called because I was like, thinking about That's another fan fiction. There's a, there's a universe that Harry jumps in. Scott might know it. Scott, do you know? Scott? With like Shadow Walkers. Shadow Walkers. There yeah, was a moment where Harry jumps into a universe where um, Lucius Malfoy was the minister. Everybody's dead. Hermione's the only one left, and she's on the run. And she's kind of like tribal warrior Hermione. She's you know been surviving on her own for so long. It reminded me of that Hogwarts where Hermione and the others are in the Shrieking Shack. So I've actually read that in fan fiction too. So it's like that scene didn't really resonate for me because I've already read it. So, but I did enjoy Snape when. Um, what was the line when Hermione's, they say Hermione's the most wanted mm-hmm. you know, woman in the world? And they're like, Ron's like, I'm also wanted. It's so not nearly as much. <laughs> yeah. I did like yeah. that. The, yeah, that version of them was very interesting. That was pretty funny. And you have to admit. The bits where, you know, they're trying to finally team up with Draco and uh, Ron's like, Malfoy, you say one word to my wife. And Hermione glares at him. It's like, um, well, uh, your hair is very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say something nice. You have very nice hair, Draco. Yeah. Draco, stop paying attention to the farmer's market. I'm over here. Yeah. So, and, uh, Jack Thorne does write good endings. Cause I liked the, the last scene where, uh, you know, Harry and Albus kind of get to reconcile. And also the last bit of part one where they just, where they just, they picked a good cliffhanger spot, basically. Um, like mm-hmm. Scorpius comes out of the lake alone and can't find Albus and is going like Potter there's no Potter here Harry Potter was killed like, yeah. Harry Potter was killed come celebrate Voldemort Day Voldemort Day Voldemort. yeah <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I just have a quick question for the panel and then based off our time unfortunately I think we should probably start wrapping up with final thoughts but my question to you guys is this why do you feel that Albus Severus Potter is a Slytherin because to me, other than it just being, it's the plot and the plot says so because he hit, you know, he has turmoil with his dad. There's nothing overly ambitious about him. There's nothing overly cunning about him. He's basically a Gryffindor. He's, I mean, yeah, he, I'm sorry. He's just basically an emo Gryffindor. But what's great about that? I hate my lap. I hate Hogwarts. So if you hate life, mm. apparently you're a Slytherin. Well, no, there is nothing cunning. I mean, he decides I'm going to change the timeline in. Rescue Cedric. Um, number, well, there's that. Number two is he meets his friend who's in Slytherin on the train. Same thing. Harry wants to be in Gryffindor to be with Ron. He wants to, you know, be with with Albus. Plus, I think there's some level of Scorpius. this will piss this will royally piss my dad off if I'm in Slytherin. Really so I'm sure. yes. But when he first goes, he doesn't want to be in Slytherin. Yeah. Don't you remember when he first goes? He's like, "What if I'm in Slytherin? He wants to be in Gryffindor." Well, apparently, we changed that. <laughs> that bothered me the mm. most was the, the, the scene at the end of, of Deathly Hollows in the epilogue. Albus clearly I think did it's not 19. want to <laughs> direction. Sorry, keep Slytherin. And Harry told him, well, the, 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 the hat will listen to you. You know, you can talk to the hat. And then the hat didn't, the hat didn't barely bother with him at all. Didn't even have a conversation with him. It just, okay, yeah. That yeah. So that, that bothered me a little because I, I still don't get why. It was inconsistent. I don't from, get why he was a It didn't make any sense. When we saw scene four where that was happening and they were doing the time skip and, uh, oh, Albus' life at Hogwarts is becoming more and more miserable and he's almost a squib and he can't get his broom to work. I thought that was going to be like his nightmare scenario and then he'd wake up. <laughs> yeah. I hated the part where he couldn't get the broom to work, quite honestly. I mean, I don't care if 
He's all right. So he's Harry's kid. He hates sports. He hates Quidditch. That's okay. I can I can deal with that. That's reality. But his mother is a professional Quidditch player. There's no way on earth that he didn't know how to summon a blue. I did love the line where mm-hmm. Hermione's having her staff meeting. Not the one where McGonagall screams, for shame, Hermione, for shame. Which I swear to God, Hermione would need a mental health tune-up if that really happened. But um, you think so, though, by this time? I mean, as a teenager, yes. Hermione's Minister of Magic at that time. There's been plenty of people that she's gone up against that didn't Melinda, if your favorite teacher showed up right now, like, and said that you disappointed her, you would feel bad. I definitely would feel you bad. You feel bad. I, I, I have a lot more confidence than I did when I was in high school. But I love the, yeah. Face or adult to adult rather than student to adult. I, I did love the part, though, where um, Hermione is on about whatever she's on about and Draco's in the pissy mood and he's like, you know, well, basically, you know, isn't it convenient that your wife is the, you know, the editor of the Daily Pro? I write the sports section. Yeah, I like that. That was well done. I'm the sports reporter. Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. So, as we're wrapping up, what are our final thoughts on Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? I enjoyed it. It's it's not a novel. You have to come into it approaching it as a play and realize that this is not this isn't solely J.K. Rowling's vision. And it, I expect that it is going to be vastly improved by seeing it done by actors and the actors being able to imbue some of the characters into the lines, but it was a good story. It, even if parts of it are odd and don't make sense or whatever, it's still a fun story and it does wrap up well and it, it goes through an arc and you can enjoy the bits about the world that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the trolley cart ladies, apparently. <laughs> 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 I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I, I told Ryan, I said, I think I had a concussion when I listened to it. So she I don't know how, uh, yeah, I, I'm still pretty bashed up, but, um, I, I really feel like I need to read it again and I haven't had a chance to reread it, but I liked the story. I liked the fan fiction element. I went into it completely spoiled. I knew just about everything that was going to happen. So, um, I maybe part of my enjoyment was that I already knew what was going to happen. And so there were no real huge surprises for me. And I just enjoyed the story. I did not know what was going to happen. I knew nothing. My, when we found out that Hermione is the minister of magic, my first reaction in my notes was say what? Then I'm like, Oh my, then I'm like, wait, I'm like, something's happening here. There's a, then I'm like, Oh my God, Ron is the first lady. That is awesome. <laughs> like, I, I, see, I didn't even realize that until just now. Yeah. Ron is the first lady. And I love the, just can we just say, I, I'm very hard on this. I didn't like it. I wish we didn't have it. I think I got more moved by, by Melinda's works than this. Um, so, so I think there, there's been better, um, you know, portrayals of how the future goes for the characters, but I just will say this. I did, even with that, love the fact that, uh, when Al makes out with Hermione, which who would have thought that would have happened? Oh my God, that was her. Yeah, <laughs> that was hilarious. That was weird. Yes. The fact that Ron, I'm sorry, that, uh, that Ron is being impersonated by a 14 year old boy and Hermione, the brightest witch of her age, can't tell the difference. I think is perfect. <laughs> and I do love the fact that Ron's response. What does that respo- say about Ron? That what does that say about Ron? And his response is, can we, you know, go on holiday or, you know, have a baby? Yeah. <laughs> I know. And thank God he got out of there before they had to figure yeah. out what they were going to do. But, um, 
Right in the middle. There were parts of it that I loved and parts of it that I hated. But the further I get away from reading it, the, the more the parts that I loved are staying with me than the parts I hated. I really mm-hmm. liked the interaction of the characters. I liked the relationships between the characters, which is really what I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And they, I thought they mm-hmm. all came off so strongly that it just, it leaves me with a good feeling. And I'll just say, um, and then I'm going to be done. I'm going to be done. I forgot. this one thing I forgot to say that's important for me is that, you know, I've, we've read a lot of Harry Ginny fix and we always hate the ones, or I hate the ones where Ron is the ass trying to keep them apart or the Weasley brothers refuse to let them date because Ginny's just a baby. And, and, and it's very upset. It's just annoying to read that. And I felt like that was, Harry was annoying to read for a lot of this because he was in such a bad place that it was just frustrating. And finally he got over it and it got better by the end. But I was frustrated reading this and for all the good moments. I think I've read them in fan fiction, specifically Melinda and others. I've, I feel like that's, that's been good enough for me, but overall I enjoyed it for the most part. I think I gave it a three out of five. It was a little more generous than Ryan, but, um, Obviously, there's parts that were a little weird and strange, but um, I think overall, I really enjoyed seeing um, Harry, Jenny, Ron, and Hermione as parents. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just seeing what having kids, how that changes your life. And there was a, I read, I read it after Ryan, and he had highlighted a ton of stuff on the Kindle. And Sorry. one of one of your highlights. I think I forget if I think it was with Harry when it says he was looking at Delphi or Delphi whatever, um, and it says he's scared of her. And Ryan had highlighted it and wrote in the note, "This doesn't make sense. He was never scared of Voldemort." And I wrote my note was, "Except now he's a parent." (laughs) Yeah. And Albus is in the room, and his greatest fear is, "Oh my God, my kids are going to have to." Yeah. I went through, or I'm going to lose my kid. Like, because Delphi's gonna, has threatened it. Like, so to me, that made perfect sense because you, you start to be afraid of things. Exactly. You start to be afraid of things that you weren't afraid of before because you don't want your kid impacted by it. But also keep in mind what we were saying before that because it's very, um, because it's very vague stage descriptions and because we don't get the actors, I don't know how to see that. All I got, it literally said Harry was scared of, of Delphi. Right, but your note was this didn't make sense because he was never afraid of Voldemort. He never feared Voldemort. Well, yeah, because I interpreted it as he's like shaking in his boots because Voldemort's right there, and that was never Harry. No, I think it's no, more like expression like, on like, face. like yeah. But like, imagine if we saw the play and like he he looks to Al, he looks to Delphi, he looks afraid for Al. Like that made sense, but that's not see. What I pictured it more as like you know, picture it today if you come across some crazy person and they point a gun at you, that's one thing. They point a gun at Ella, that's a totally different thing. So, I mean, that's how I saw that scene. I was like, it's one thing to threaten me. If you threaten my kid, that's completely different. So I kind of enjoyed seeing them deal with it. It was hard to interpret because you don't, you don't, we took it differently because it was vague. Yeah. So that's where it would be helpful to actually see it portray. I will still go and watch this if they come out with a, you know, um, yeah, I want video to release it. of the. Of oh yeah, I'd love to see a video. Of it. I'll, I'll definitely. I'm not. I don't have to see it, but if I get the opportunity, I definitely take it. I'll see it too, because honestly, I hate to say this, because I think I had one more negative reaction to it. It can't get any worse. Like maybe they'll show the love child thing, and it will be a beautiful life giving moment. <laughs> like that. it's worth a shot. On that note. <laughs>
on that note, add my final thoughts real quick. Um, I kind of lean towards Brian, but I think as I got further and further into the story, because I read it pretty much in one shot. I read the first act late last night, passed out, woke up, and then finished off the book. Um, the further I went, the further I, I didn't really enjoy it, but the further it endeared itself to me. Um, yes. The plot holes, it kind of got in the way. But I think about in the fourth act, the beginning of the fourth act, it hit me that this is the last Harry Potter story we're ever going to get. Uh-huh. And, so, well, she okay. uh-huh. so she says. So she says. So in theory, the, yes. Yeah. Well, then, well, well, for it works out for Cursed Child because it really helped my feelings at, about it. Um, it. It is kind of like as I was reading it, and, I, and as it was coming to an end, it was this this realization of like you know from roughly seven years ago when Deathly Hallows was coming to an end, like this is coming to an end, this is coming to an end, and. So it really kind of like, I got a lot of the nostalgic feelings of what the feelings I felt when the book series closed out, which I don't know if it's earned by this play by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it definitely uh, will allow me to say that I will come back to it and hopefully give it another shot and not hate it as much. Or I might hate it more because every single time I look at that trolley, which I'm never going to look at her the same way again. I would just like to very quickly just, I want to just repeat one of my favorite lines from this story, I think it was one of the more emotional moments. <laughs> this is a line from Hermione. I'm going to read the line. Danielle's going to read my note for the line, all right? Oh, okay. Here's the line. This is Hermione Granger. <clears throat> you make one more move and your brains will be a frog and your arms will be rubber. <gasps> what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> So much clearer what was happening. Was that when was that when she was rubble Hermione? Hi, in, in hiding. I think she it was, was she yeah. was like yeah. number one wanted uh tribal warrior, yeah. yeah. This okay. Hermione is much more warrior. This is very that is very true. But with that, unless if there is absolutely anything that needs to be said in the next three minutes, I think that's gonna do it for this episode of Point of View Weekly. Anyone? For everyone in I peace. think we're good, Bob. I haven't even brought Donald Trump. I mean, thank God. And that with that, yeah. we're going to end yeah, this episode. Pull the pulls the plug. So, from all of us here at the Potterfic Weekly Studios in Fargo, North Dakota, I've been Bob. <laughs> or Washington State, wherever the hell she is. <laughs> yeah, wherever we are. It's you. Oh, I've been Ryan. I'm Danielle. I forgot him. What? <laughs> I'm Scott. I'm Sue. I'm Melinda. And we'll catch you guys next time on Point of View Weekly Live. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Good night. Ooh, that's the first time we've ever said that. Point of View Weekly Live. Ooh. That's actually Ooh. the name of the stream. I totally forgot that that's not the name of the podcast. <laughs> but oh well, who cares? <laughs> I'm like, that's the first time we've ever done that. It's all in there somewhere. Oh, is this not Point of View Weekly? Well, it is, but Point of View Weekly Live. Oh. So, yeah. okay, so this is technically Point of View Weekly, but... On the stream, it is Buffalo Play oh. presents Point of View Weekly Live because it's the live recording of. Oh, it's like Masterpiece Theater presents. Do they? Do anyone else notice that? Um, uh, was it Lugo Bagman? Ludo Bagman. L- Ludo Bagman. Talking about the fic? Oh my god! <laughs> Why did he keep referring to Bobaton as flaccid? He didn't. They weren't cheering Why enough. Did- why didn't they cheer? Yeah, they didn't cheer enough. I kept, I kept 
thinking about that. And I'm like, was that true or was that, I don't know. If I'm well, in the movie, the, Fleur was, lost. No, I think that was <laughs> made up. Like, she was the Filipino um, uh, diver from you. But I have to be across you town in about two minutes. Okay. So these right, guys can continue to talk about this, and I'm sorry you're not going to get to hear it. <laughs> oh, we're still recording. Thank you guys so much for uh, uh, watching. Uh, it was great having all of you uh, in chat. It was a little quiet tonight, but there was a lot going on, so it was kind of difficult to kind of butt in. Brian does talk a lot. We're sorry. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But until next time, check out the Facebook. We'll let you guys know when we'll be streaming next, uh, whether it be game stuff or uh, Point of View Weekly Live again. Good night, stream. Good night, stream. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm, I'm, looking, Bye. I'm looking over all the notes I have right here. Do you remember from um, POU when Hermione, um, who's afraid of heights, works at, like, the ministry or whatever, and she has a she has a secretary named Stella? Sorry, guys. I really do have to go. See you, Bob. Bye, Bob. Bye, Bob. Bye, Bob. Do you remember this? Bye, Bob. She has a secretary named Stella, and there's a line in, in the fic where she screams, Stella, I'll be back in an hour. And she grabs a uh, broom and just jumps out the window on, like, the 42nd floor and just flops. I did not remember that. It was, I just remember, Stella, I'll be back. I I literally snorted something out of my nose when Hermione's in her office and all of a sudden screams, Ethel, cancel the goblins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As far as the thing with the Bogotá students go, I think that was just, you know, English writer going, oh, 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 those French, they don't know how to cheer. (laughs) Yeah, I got a feeling it was the the British picking on the French. I think so, too. They're saying they're too reserved or something. Well, do you remember in the the, uh, movie, like, like I know it was obviously in the can, too. The movie was awful. But in the movie, Fleur just sucked at everything she did. (laughs) Yeah. And... I don't know. Yeah. It was horrible casting in that entire movie. That's, He's got things wrong. Really? Like, yeah. That's not even yeah. the Like, she was supposed to be so not, like, drop-dead gorgeous that, like, you could not not stare at her. You know what I mean? And I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, that actress was good-looking, but she wasn't, like, this beautiful woman that you could not stop looking at. It's like, that whole movie was just... Bleh. I don't like that movie. <laughs> the only good thing about it was there was a lot of Fred and George. Actually, I, you know, even though there's definitely parts of all of them that annoy, but I don't mind watching Goblet of Fire. Quite honestly, I, I, uh, I can that of all of them, I, I go back to that one a lot. Prisoner of Azkaban irritated the hell yeah, out of me. I dislike it the the most because the transition was so jarring. Because uh, you know, we lost Richard Harris and we got a new director and everybody's wearing Muggle clothes suddenly and, and all of birds and every other Dan Radcliffe getting bit by the the crows is a little bad. Can I just picture the thing? There's a scene in here. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm just looking through my notes as we're talking. And there's um, a point where Professor McGonagall. I think this is when they come down to the um, the lake and they've just undone the second um, task. So now everything's restored. Professor McGonagall um, comes down and says, "You're the one who just returned from time. Why don't you tell us what happened?" Then it says, "Scorpius immediately registers what they know." And I'm thinking, how do they convey that in the play? And you know how, like, picture like you're doing the I caught a fish this big thing with your hands. I'm picturing like music going, and you just see Scorpius doing all these hand motions, <laughs> trying to explain what happened with Voldemort and Valor and all that. I just I was trying to figure out how they were going to show that. You like I don't know. I haven't seen the play. They need to like. There's been other plays that. Like, like they live film it and then they release it. Why can't they do that? So we can all of those of us I across the pond can to. see it too. 
Yeah, I think that they're planning on touring it, too. It's supposed to come to America and tour. Well, I'd imagine after it comes to America, and once it closes, then they do that. It'll be in New York, and you still have to get to New York. Yeah. No, she made it sound like it was going to tour around the United States. What Mm -hmm. I saw made it sound like it was going to, to tour... All over the place. But you get the sense once it's completed its tour. Boston, Ryan, and Danielle, you guys want to go with me? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I may be laughing during half of it, but I'll, <laughs> like, we get thrown out. I'm gonna be like Leo in a Subaru have dealership. To watch Ella. Leo's not coming. Melinda. No, I said I'd be like Leo with a Subaru dealership. I'd boo the love child, and they kick me the hell out of there. Um, but I'd imagine they would sell the the video of it after it's completed. It's um, mm-hmm. tour. once the touring I, I, is done. I don't think. I mean, it won't be as good as actually being in a the theater, but but at least to get to get the feel of it anyway. Now, the one thing we didn't talk about in the podcast: what do you feel like the reception of it's been? Like we're you know six guys here, but what do you think? I, I think it's had really mixed reviews. People yeah. are are loving it, and some people are hating it, and some mm-hmm. people are sort of indifferent. It's been it's been all over the. It's place. it is dropping on Goodreads. It's very right. different the, the ratings of people who've read the book compared to the people who've seen the play. The, the people that have seen the play seem to absolutely be enthralled with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just been among yeah. my friends who've just read the book. Um, there's two or three of them who just absolutely loved it and thought it was great. And some some are like, "What's up with this? This is weird, and we don't like it." And some other people are just sort of in the middle. Well, I think it's interesting because I mean, if you think if you think of like a play you enjoy or something, and then you know, imagine you'd never seen it performed, and you just got the script, and you just got like the early version of the script, and you read it, you might not be that impressed with it. But then yeah. you actually go see it, you see it, and it's all polished, and it's and you know, you have everything, all the scenery and music and whatever that's going to go with it. I mean. It's like I don't want to judge it too harshly yet because there's already a difference, and I didn't want to say this on the live one because I have to go back and read the notes. Like I have a friend that saw the play when it was in London, um, when it was not even before the play officially was released. They Mm -hmm. did like test audiences, and I swear to God, I read something in her blog about a scene between Harry and Ginny, I think, but we're. Ginny was saying how much Albus is like Harry, and that's why they don't get along is because they're so much alike. But that never happened in this script. So I, I, I didn't want to say it because I don't, I, I don't know if I'm remembering it wrong, but I no, but, really need to go back and look at that. But in the last conversation with, um, with Harry and Albus, I know that they do kind of mention that because Albus says you get along so well with James because you're so alike, and Harry's like, really? I don't think we are. Everything comes so easy for James. And he says he thinks... He, I thought they were going to go that direction, but then he says, he's like, yeah, you're more like your mom. And that, I remember when I read it in the book, and it struck me, I'm like, no, that's not what she told me. But I have to find, I don't know what I did with that blog, I have to go find it again and look at it. Because I, I really think already there's something there that changed. I'm really curious if they're going to look at, because obviously the play is going well, but if there is a lot of, you know, negative, you know, reaction to the play... I'm wondering if they'll make subtle changes for the for the audiences and kind of. They might. I don't know. They might. I, 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 plays yeah. tend to evolve generally, especially when um, you have like playwrights who are alive and have written the thing, and it's not like Shakespeare. Um, yeah. So even Shakespeare gets done fifty-seven different ways. So. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, 
that it was actually reminding me of there's a show on uh, Geek and Sundry's Twitch channel that I watched. Um, they're not doing it anymore. They're kind of on break from it, but uh, they do a show called Drama Club Heroes where they have people just sit around a table and read scripts, like do do silly voices and read all the things. Uh, and one of them that they did recently was like the first or second draft of Star Wars, and it's so incredibly different from the movie that we got. And like, there's three scenes in it that you're like, oh yeah, I remember that scene from the end product. And then there's all of this other stuff. Hmm. Where did that come from? And so, I mean, it, that is obviously was farther away from the final draft than this is. Like, this is a final draft of the play, but they're just still workshopping it. Right. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting to watch because there's all these like Luke Skywalker is basically Obi Wan, but there's there's a character named Luke Skywalker, but he's like the elderly general, and the character who's kind of most like Luke is like um, Big Zantilles or something. It's like some other combination of the names, and <laughs> or it's no, it's um, Anakin Starkiller is uh, is oh. the character. That was the original name. That was it? his original name, Luke Starkiller. Yeah. And then Luke Skywalker was some other guy. Interesting. And, then, uh, and they're on, like, Utapau instead of Tatooine, which is a planet that they eventually introduced into other things. And, uh, what, oh, the, the big thing that was just weird for everybody reading it is that the saying that everybody says is, may the force of others be with you. And they're like, who are the others? Where, where's this guy? I don't, mm-hmm. George, you, you're not quite there. Just work on that a little bit. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm just looking at the comment right here. Um, when Hermione's talking to Harry for the first time, he says, can I get you some toffee? He's like, I can't. We've, we're off sugar at the we're moment. I'm like, is Harry a diabetic? Mad. I really did. It's like, we have to watch our sugar. But I do love that Harry does all the cooking for the family, and I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. A little sad, too, at the same time. Yeah, I like it. Uh, part of it also because there's so many people still even some reviewers that I read that, that hate that Harry became an aura because they said, well, he'll, he'll never be home and he's always in the whole thing. And it's like, to me, I think of an aura kind of like as a cop. So right. you, you can have a family and be an aura is the way that I've always looked at it. But the fact that he's obviously home in time and stuff that he's made dinner for his yeah. family every night. So it, it, I did like that. I think one of the reasons I justify being so hard on it is we've read so many fan fictions over the years and I've rarely said, having read this whole thing, they don't, it doesn't seem like the right voices. I've rarely had that complaint to the fact I'm having it now. I have had that complaint with fan fiction. Dumbledore is especially hard, I think. Yeah. People don't get his cadence and uh, phrasing right, so it, it sounds weird. Like Never use a, contractions when writing. Yeah, like mm. there's a, a 37-year-old trying to, you know, like fake beard trying to play Dumbledore and it doesn't yeah. <laughs> well, that was the, is when Harry called him Dumbledore. I'm like, you would say professor. You would not. Well, he had said professor, and then he then he referred to him again as Dumbledore. Right. But I think also, like, one thing I noticed is, like, they used to always say during the Harry school years, it was like, oh, Merlin. They kind of replaced Merlin with Dumbledore, so I think it might yeah. just be something he's more familiar saying now, because it's like, oh, Dumbledore mm-hmm. seems to be a... Did you catch in um, in Voldemort and Valor in in that universe? Um, instead of saying shit, they said pother. Yeah, I caught yeah. that. Did catch that? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm getting kind of tired here, so 
might yeah, call the night. Yeah, I should go. Well, this worked very well. Really... just left to go kayaking. <laughs> this yeah. worked very well. I was, like, very nervous. Is well, that... it's only seven there. She's in Washington yeah, State. Yeah, it's only seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Two hours. Well, I cannot believe how well this worked with, you know, Melinda. I wasn't sure about her setup and Sue's on a phone in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I was, I was nervous about how this was going to go, but I think it went well. This was fun. I look forward to this all day. <laughs> Very cool. <Yeah. laughs> I was dying to we talk didn't about it with any other callers. I know. For that first day there, I'm like, no one had read it. I'm like, how could no one have read this yet? Well, the one thing I knew <laughs> as I was reading that it, it wasn't as good as, as normal Harry Potter because I could put it down and walk away. Things were really hectic here that I couldn't find a time to just simply sit and read. Right. But it was okay. I didn't mind putting it down and, and walking away and come back to it. So I, I rem- yeah. You know, I, it took me two or three days to finish it. So I was like, this isn't, you know, if it was a real Harry Potter book, this wouldn't have happened. I remember when ha- when um, Half-Blood Prince came out, it got delivered to Danielle's house. We read it there. And friends of ours wanted to go out to dinner that night. I'm like, well, I can't because Harry Potter came out. So like, well, yeah, but it's only for a couple hours. I'm like, but Harry Potter came out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but, but you can leave it for a couple hours and then read it again. I'm like, I don't think you understand. Harry Potter came out. <laughs> yeah. It was like this whole... Hey, am I the only... I'm going to read it until it's done. Right. Yeah. Am I the only one that went to a release party? For Cursed Child? Yeah. I didn't... I would have... Uh, my little local bookstore that, that had awesome parties didn't do one, though. I think Barnes and Noble did one. I mean, we couldn't because the yeah, we actually we joked with yeah, we joked with other um, new parents. I'm like, hey, you want to go to the, little, the midnight book release? And they're all like, hey, we'll be up. <laughs> Spoil. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I didn't stay very long because I knew the book was coming in on my Kindle, except for that I also didn't have internet, so I had to drive to my brother's to steal it, and then. When I got back, I'd listened to it, you know, in the car from my brother's to the house, which I listened to about three minutes of it because that's how long it takes for me to get up. And then I was going into the house, and that's when I tripped and fell. So I didn't get back to the story for a little while because there were other things having to, you know. But then I just set it up on the Kindle and put earphones in, and I painted, literally painted a picket fence and listened to the story. Mm. until it was done. And both the fence and the story ended about the same time. So that worked out. That worked out well for you then. Yeah. But I do, I I feel like I missed certain parts. Like, I don't remember the end at all. And I think that by that time. Oh, Sue, you got to go back and read the end. The end is is the best part. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I, I was so exhausted by that point that I just sort of lost things. So I am going to do a reread. My brother asked to read it while we were camping. So I haven't followed up on on it i've been reading other books so but i will reread it it's the one where they figure out that the clues with the blanket that that, that's my favorite one can we ever figure out how did they get access to the blanket to pour the crap on it i love the idea of them they're going to jump in front of baby harry and and, and tell them help it's like yeah we made your own time (laughs) the kid Wrapped me up because it's such a fourteen-year-old thing to think too. It just, I, I, yeah, we're gonna mess him up. He's gonna be like wetting the bed for years. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, but they how, just how they got the blanket in. away from him? I'm, 
I'm assuming Harry must have fell asleep and they just grabbed it quickly. I, I don't know. They, they they never really explained that. No. It was magic, Ryan. Magic. Yeah. Oh, no, no. The plot said so. Yeah, the plot said so. They, yeah. they, they, they were, it was out while they're taking a walk and they somehow summoned it and got it back without Lily being aware. I don't know how they would have done this, but somehow they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of them distracted her while the other one confiscated the blanket and quickly wrote it. And it couldn't have been Albus that did it if he looked so much like Harry, who looked so much like James. Mm -hmm. So Scorpius had to had to have been the one that distracted her. Right. Mm. We're we're here to protect the baby at all costs, but but let's scare him to death. Yeah. Yeah. They did a Indiana Jones switch and replaced it with an identical blanket while they were working. Yeah. All right, well, it's been really fun talking to you guys, but I really should go back to Sue, I hate to tell I don't know how to tell you this, Sue. Your connection in the woods of of Washington is actually better than the connection you have at your house. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that that's entirely true, but it it did work out well. It was. (laughs) You're like crystal clear in the woods of... Well, that's good. Have fun kayaking. Have fun. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll get to do it before we leave tomorrow. I don't know. I want to just swim, but it's just too cold. You know, the only three days of the entire summer that haven't been 90 degrees are the three days we went camping. Of course. It's been raining cats and dogs here. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. I feel bad for the boys in tents. Well, have a good night, right. Sue. I don't even remember the last uh, time I, was here. I know, it's been a while. tomorrow, actually. I did see that, that we might get a little tomorrow. <laughs> Alright, well you guys take care. Take it easy, Sue. Good night, Sue. Enjoy. Oh, good. good night, guys. Okay. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, Scott. Yeah, good. I'm not gonna talk about Trump either, so I'm gonna say good night. <laughs> <laughs> Smart Melinda. I like Melinda. I disagree with you, but I've also had a lot of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Two whole glasses. Alright, I I don't want to talk about politics though, I really don't. So I'll I know you don't. say good night. Have a good night. I will talk to you later. Have a wonderful night. Thank you. You too. You got it. Take care. Bye-bye.